Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Action Radio. This is Greg Penglis coming to you from the historic district of downtown Milton on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River. And now let's get into Action Radio. And now the fun begins again. Yes, Trump has declared for president, and I was hoping he would. I was hoping he'd ignore all those naysayers. Don't announce now. Don't do this. Don't do that. Oh, no. Don't offend people. Don't say anything. Don't, don't, don't ruffle feathers. Don't, don't be you. <laughs> what they're really saying is, don't be you, Trump. Whatever you do, Trump, don't be you. <laughs> anyway, I don't want to say any more because Bill's on the line. I don't want to uh, steal whatever, whatever revelations he wants to bestow upon us with his genius wisdom and otherwise charming personality. So let's get to, as soon as I scroll down here. The Fecky Report. Oh, was that a great line? I, mean, I, have, I might have to say that again because I forgot where I put it. <laughs> Sorry, Bill. I said it was geared up. Hang on, hang on. I know it's here somewhere. Uh, uh, F. Uh, a, B, C, D. Uh, uh, no, not that. Uh, uh, okay, wait a minute. Hang on. Came, oh, there it is. <laughs> Sorry, Bill. Hold on tight. Action Radio presents the Fecky Report. Good morning, Action Radio Land. Christmas came early for America. Hold on. Trump's coming. <laughs> this is great. Let's let's give a round of applause. So did you hear, oh, did you hear the speech you last know, night live? Did you get a chance to hear the speech I, live? I, I watched the whole thing. Um Good. and I, I was that is the President Trump that people love. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that I would have to say negative about the whole thing, and it's going to cost him votes with the libertarians, mm-hmm. um, is when he made the comment about killing drug dealers. Um, and the no, reason why that stuck out – Well, if well, you legal drugs, then you won't have dealers. You won't have criminals. I think it's the criminal aspect that he's, that he's so upset about. I don't think it's the, uh, it may not be the drugs themselves, but that's a good point. I mean, I don't know where he stands on medical marijuana, for example. I've never heard that, um, but um, I'd be curious what you think. You know, my wife's Filipino. We've talked about the Philippines quite often. President is she a drug dealer? Over there. I'm just kidding. What's that? Is she, is she a drug dealer? No, I'm just teasing you, Bill. <laughs> no. no. So President Duterte ran on a very similar platform where he was going to clean up all the drugs and uh-huh. basically prosecute all drug dealers. And he did and what he did was gave a stamp of approval to kill anyone who was dealing drugs. Uh-huh. Now, obviously here in America we can't go that far. Uh and this is over, you know, this is a true jungle mentality, but the, the mm. That that, the, that, could the be, murders, that could be taken the wrong way. Yeah. Yeah. The the murders and the arrests went sky high. I mean, it was just sky high, and a lot of them were never, you know, found, you know, never brought to court or anything like that. Obviously, mm-hmm. you know, we have a different system here, 
but it's just it, it turned what it was turning into was a political motivated to where if you wanted to get rid of a political opponent you you shoot them you put, you plant some drugs on them and then you're you're exonerated yeah, no, there's bigger issues other than this. There's some really big issues here, what he's talking about. And I think, I think I agree with you. I didn't think of this, but you made a really good point that we don't want to start talking about killing drug dealers. And he's, he's focusing on that, that quick trial thing way too much. I agree. Uh, he's not known for always being, you know, uh, not politically correct so much as politically astute. And that is a mistake because everybody you know, deserves their, their presumption of innocence, fair trial, things like that. Now, it doesn't mean we can't crack down on drug dealers, but the big problem is this is the problem with the drugs is it's very much like prohibition with alcohol. You know, you've got a situation yeah. where, where the, the prevention may be as bad as the crime itself, you know, and people, no one forces you to be a drug dealer. No one forces you to be a drug taker. You know, it's not like these things are, it's like prostitution. No one puts a gun to your head and says, you know, go, go, uh, you know, sleep with this hooker. It doesn't go work that way. Her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, or, or the hooker themselves say, yeah, okay, you're my next customer, you know, at gunpoint, <laughs> you know, uh, so that, so the thing is, it's a different kind of a crime and there's a big difference. And I think we need to understand the difference between what's legal and what we condone. There are things that are legal that we don't condone. You know, I don't approve of certain things. Like I, I think I would never take heroin met, you know, uh, with some of the other ones. I'm not a big drug taker. So obviously I don't know these things. What's, what's uh, meth? There we go. That's what I'm trying to think. Meth. But yeah. heroin, meth, cocaine, crack, all these kind of things like that. Now the question is, you know, at what point do you, do you make it illegal? See, the, the abuse of rights, remember the confiscation of property, uh, uh, the, the asset forfeiture yep. that went on, the, the, the horrendous the, the, the deprivation of rights. So, in other words, the enforcement of these drug laws is almost every bit as bad as the drugs themselves uh, in terms of our rights and our freedoms and the bureaucracy and the money that goes into it. Um, so, I'm not sure. So, what I would do with drugs is the same thing I do with everything else. You have, a, you have a, a law, a decent law. You enforce that law. You enforce it equally, and you give people their due process. And I don't, I don't, you know, I, I'm not a big capital punishment fan anyway, simply because they get it wrong and uh, you can't execute people. You can't execute innocent people. I don't care how many guilty people go free. Uh, that's why we have laws that allow us to defend ourselves. That's why we have a second amendment. So when the government screws up and lets a, you know, a guilty person go, we still have to be able to defend ourselves. So it's a complex issue, but uh, look at the DEA since Nixon. Uh, what good have they really done? Well, the war on drugs has failed. Um, and, you know, the, the more and more that you hear, you know, more that's coming to light, whether they're cherry picking quotes or whatever, Nixon was targeting a very specific audience uh, with the war on drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but, that, but now we're to the point in America where it does affect everyone equally, um, more so than maybe it did in the past. Uh, but w- what we're dealing with here, though, is, is there's so many legal drugs Mm-hmm. that are being pushed and, you know, almost thrown down our, our, our throats. You know, you can't leave the ER if you have back, with back pain without a lower tab in your hand. Um, you know, I mean, that's... They even had a codone. You know, was what uh, I was giving for heart surgery. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I give them back, yeah. by the way. I said, I don't need these. Thank you. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, exactly. I take some in pieces. They would give me like, you know, say, well, you can take four of these a day. I said, are you effing crazy? I said, I tried one once. I felt like Superman flying down the hall. I said, nope, nope, this is way too much. So I, I asked for a pill splitter, and I started uh, chopping them in halves, and I'd have like half in the morning and half at night, you know, uh, as opposed to four a day. <laughs> My God, I couldn't believe right. that. That was, that was, a, that was a, a painkiller overdose right there, and that was normal for people. They were actually taking that much. 
she's the one of their problems. Yeah, well, that, well, well, unfortunately, that is the that is the thing with the hospital. They can't release you with uh, while you're still feeling pain. So they they give you the most potent thing that they could give you, so you don't feel pain, so that you uh, so you could get out, so they can open up the bed for the next person. Um, and, and that's that's a whole problem in itself. But let's get back to uh, the man. Yeah, we're at talking hand. about that another day. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so the, the the man at hand is mm-hmm. is hopefully the man that we saw last night is the man we see the next two years. Yeah. Uh, will did you we, notice? Probably Go ahead. not. But uh, uh, well, did we you notice how many people have come out for Trump now? I mean, everybody's like all all the Trump supporters have suddenly come out. I mean, they're all you know when everybody was bad mouthing Trump and they said he's not the person and DeSantis might run. I'm like, no, you idiots. Stick with Trump. Trump is the person, is the one person in history to do this. He's been there before. He knows what's going on. He's had four years to reflect. He'll be so much better the next time. And he's got the vision, you know, and DeSantis will be great in 2028, you know, but not now. And, and all of a sudden people are like, yeah, Trump, yeah. I got, a, I got a page full of people who are all of a sudden supporting Trump. They weren't commenting, you know, three days ago. Where were they? You know, so the fair right. other Trump supporters are all back out, which is really interesting. You watch the pro-Trump articles come out in the next couple of days. Yes, we knew he was coming back. Yes, he's our man. Yes, yes, yes. And I was like, where were you last week? You know, when things were um, I'm going to disagree. I'm going to disagree with you on that comment. Okay. Uh, Feel free. What I have, what I have seen this, this past week, and even though I told myself I was going to unplug, I have plugged in double <laughs> for whatever reason. How much for that plan? Uh, <laughs> Whatever that is. Yeah, the plan, yeah, that just went totally in reverse there. Uh, okay. But, you know, Newsmax, Newsmax has doubled down on Trump um, in what starting way? on election night. Um, in what way? Oh, they're, they're all in. They are 100% really? all in. So that's exactly what I was talking Newsmax, about. Now, I have, like I say, I have yeah. a lot of supporters on my page who have been Trump, and I, I, should, I should correct this. They actually have been for Trump the whole time. Uh, now, of course, it's easy to be vocal, but I'm talking about more the, the professionals, the journalists, the, uh, the, the public mm-hmm. speakers, the pundits, the folks out there that, uh, you know, and this Newsmax, tell me more, because this is exactly what I was talking about. Now, all of a sudden, now that Trump's declared, it's now okay, you know, to say that you're, no, you're pro-Trump. No, uh, starting election night. Because every so often, I mean, even before election night, they would still talk positive. Mm-hmm. Uh, but mo- uh, but uh, I really started focusing on, you know, watching them. I watched Newsmax uh, election night. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that they said, I mean, they, you know, this has nothing to do with Trump. Trump is going to be the president. He, you know, he's in a better position. Like what, everything you said, they're mm-hmm. kind of mimicking what you're saying today. DeSantis isn't ready. Uh you know, and we got to remember, too, uh, Ron DeSantis is a great governor, but his, you know, it was a combination of him being a good governor and all the other governors in blue states being really crappy. <laughs> and all the Republicans moved to Florida, and that's why DeSantis won by such a huge margin. See, that My was crazy. We didn't, we didn't expect that. Yeah, we didn't expect that yeah, when so, uh, when all of yeah, the, so, we thought all yeah. the, the immigrants to to Florida from the the communist states were going to bring their communism with them. Unfortunately, they didn't. So that's a good. So I'm glad we were wrong on that because it turned out to be just fine. Right. Yeah. So, but my question though is, where is Ron DeSantis going to import Republicans when he runs for governor? When he runs for president? Because there are <laughs> no uh, importing of Republicans the way he well, imported them here. Uh, no, so uh, you know he, he's got a he's. You know, Ron, no one's talked about the fact that Ron DeSantis failed in these past elections. Yes, he won big, but he right. went to Pennsylvania. He went to Arizona. 
both of those guys lost. lost. Well, those are fixed elections, you know, too. Those are rigged. So I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't well, necessarily they, uh, put that against DeSantis. Now, he may not have the draw that you think. Well, if, See, DeSantis, if they're, yeah. they're going to put, if they're gonna put mm-hmm. it against Trump, they mm-hmm. have to put it against DeSantis. Well, this, see, the thing is, this is a Democrat plot. See, people don't realize this. The Democrats are always telling the Republicans what to do. They get on the news shows, and, they, and it's really funny. The Republicans should say, we're not going to take advice from you idiots. You hate us. Why, why would we take advice from you? But they say, if the, if the Republicans really want control of the House, this is what they should do. And it comes from a Democrat. And I'm just laughing my, my butt off because I'm thinking, who the hell do these people think they are trying to advise Democrats? Be like, the Republicans should start that, too. Well, if the Democrats really want to be successful, they'll, they'll you know, be America first. I mean, it, it'd be that kind of effect. But they don't do it. And, and so it's fascinating to watch this whole, you know, the crazy thing about DeSantis, because it's, I really believe this is Democrat inspired. This is not a Republican thing. Now, the rhinos are taking advantage of it because you've got two parties. You've got the rhino Democrats and you've got America first, you know, House Freedom Caucus. That's how Congress kind of divides up. And it's about, you know, uh, 75 percent or about 80 percent, 20 percent or if that's no, probably less. than It's probably like 90 percent, 10 percent, 90 percent rhino Democrats. And you've got about 10 percent House Freedom Caucus. I think. Anyway, that, but that's the problem. Yeah, well, there's about uh, – I think there is – officially, I think there is 30 Freedom Caucus people. Mm-hmm. But then you have, like, the Matt Gateses and the Majority Greens who are not officially with the Freedom Caucus but are – Then why the aren't Freedom they? Caucus. Have you heard any, Have you seen anything or read anything as to why people that I think would naturally be in the Freedom Caucus, like Matt Gates, our congressman here, uh, and uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene? Who I did get to meet at so, Gates rally, you know, why why aren't they in the Freedom Caucus? You know, you'd have to ask them that question because uh, Matt Gates has uh, campaigned with Rand Paul, campaigned <laughs> yeah. with Jim Jordan. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, those. You know, they all. You know, so I I don't know why he's not officially with them. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe he just likes the idea of towing the line and being able to go on both sides, you know, both sides mm. of uh, But he doesn't tell the line, though. Uh, he attacks, you know, government <laughs> officials. He's, he, you know, he was the one that saying, he was saying recently that uh, uh, Kevin McCarthy is not naturally the, the Speaker of the House. And I think he opposed McCarthy. So I don't think he tells the line. I don't think Marjorie Taylor Greene does, but I think for some reason, politically, it, they, they've made the decision it's better not to be in the House Freedom Caucus. Personally, I think that's a mistake. Um, but um, I wish the House Freedom Caucus were larger. But if it were, if it were much larger, it wouldn't have people who consider freedom first. They would consider party first, and they're going to try and sneak in for political reasons. But here's, here's let me just a strategy question for Action Radio. Now that the House is going to actually be Republican, and they're going to have some hopefully real investigations, do you think we've got a better chance of getting you know Marjorie Taylor Greene and Matt Gates back on the show here? Well, Matt Gates, especially back on the show, Marjorie on the show, uh, in terms of citizen legislation, because they can actually sponsor it, put it into the House, and it would actually be considered, as opposed to when the Democrats control the House, there's no point. No Republican gets any bill or even an amendment, you know, considered. So I think we got a better shot. What, what do you think? Oh, I mean, definitely. It's, you know, it's just okay. you've got to get through uh, the red tape of their aides who <laughs> the have this – well, yeah, the gatekeepers have this power, you know, have this false power about themselves mm-hmm. where they actually think that they're important. Um, and yeah, all they, they are vision. is another. <laughs> gatekeepers, yeah, well, all, well, all they are is just know. another group of useless idiots who are being used by the politicians to get what they need. Yeah. And then yeah. once they're done, they get thrown to the side. Um, you know, I, I know a couple of Matt Gates's former aides here. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, they've always said that he's treated them uh with respect and everything else, can't say much about the people calling in, uh, but 
Uh, no, but the know, problem with the gatekeepers so, is they don't have vision. I mean, if they had vision, they wouldn't be gatekeepers. They'd be above that. But like I've been trying to reach uh, Grover Norquist for about six months to work on an electric car tax bill. And I have called, I have written, I have talked to the person who I'm not going to name for obvious reasons um, yet, <laughs> even unless they want to name themselves. But uh, they're gatekeepers, and the gatekeepers notoriously have no vision. They don't understand what we do here. They don't understand, and that's why I want to skip over them and go directly to the person I'm trying to reach. And there's a lot of cases like that. Uh, I'm, or I'm trying to get to Andrew Andrzejewski, you know, from Open the Books on the show. But I have to get past his gatekeepers. I want to get Matt Gates on the show, but I got to get past his gatekeepers. And they're nice people. I've met them, you know, but they just they don't see what we see. They don't see the vision. They don't see the potential. They don't see, you know, what citizen legislation can do and I think will do. I think Trump will see it. So now I'm trying to hook, hook into the Trump campaign and see if we can, uh, you know, be, be partners, work together. I'm not sure how it would work or be at least a source. Um, of a lot of their agenda in terms of our citizen legislation. And that's why I want to talk to you a little bit about, you know, once we get to your stuff. Um, but in terms of what happened last night, it was fascinating how hit the things that Trump wants to do coincide with a lot of the bills we've already written, which is really fascinating. Anyway, go ahead. So uh, one of the things that he did talk about last – yeah, I mean, he talked about a bunch of things last night. A couple of things mm-hmm. he – you know, I think the American people – everything he said the American people are going to get be behind 100 percent, including mm-hmm. – the term limits. I thought that was huge when he mentioned term, term limits. The mm-hmm. problem with that is that Congress is never going to vote to vote themselves out. <laughs> so, well, um, and I'm not a big fan of term limits. So I, I'm one of the few people that doesn't care about term limits. I, I think we already got term limits. What we really need is election reform is to get people out of parties. I think the parties are the problem, not the term limits. The term limits are fine. Uh, two years for the House and six years for the Senate. That's not the problem. The problem is that the senators are not elected by the state legislatures, and the two dominant you know, socialist parties, the Republicans and the Democrats, dominate our entire election. And it's not the term limits that's the problem. It's the choices. You know, in the primary, you, you know, there's, they're not open to all kinds of folks. You know, like uh, I couldn't be a member of Congress. I, I don't have the, the back in the party would never pick me, for example. And quite frankly, I don't want to run anyway. But the thing is that it, it's closed off to so many good leaders, potentially really good candidates, because the party selects who goes into the primary. And so because of that, your choice is what the primary wants you to choose from. And the general election is what the two parties, the top people of what the, the parties have already chosen for you. So the parties are running the politics. The parties run the elections. They run the Congress themselves. You know, there's one vote in the House, the Speaker. When the Speaker has control of the majority party, the majority party controls the minority party. The minority party effectively has no vote. At the time they serve as a minority member of Congress, they're just, you know, occupying chair space. They're, they're seat warmers because they can't do anything. So what, why is it we have a system where we've effectively neutered you know, uh, just under half of the Congress because they're not the majority party or they don't belong to the majority party. That's a crazy system. That, reforming that, I think, would go so far beyond term limits because if you have term limits, all you're going to do is replace one long-term corrupt politician with several more uh, shorter-term corrupt politicians, but nothing really changes. Term limits is a Band-Aid on, on a problem. that It's like putting a Band-Aid on the wrong place. And if the cut's on your left knee and you put it on your right, <laughs> that, that's how I see term limits. So- Okay, so uh, two things. One, term limits. We're not talking about just uh, you know two-year term, four-year or six-year term. We're talking about you know how many how many times can they get reelected? Oh, I understand uh, Second that. of all, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, no. Second of all, second of all, I, I I may be in the minority when I say this, but I think the House of Representatives should not have to be reelected every two years. And this is why I say this. Mm-hmm. All they're doing is campaigning from beginning to end. No, I agree. Yeah, with you and there. it's yeah. all 
yeah, and so if they actually changed it to maybe three years or four years, we might actually see stuff being done instead of everything that does get done to, for, for political reasons. Um, and I know that kind of goes against the whole machine draw, in trying to draw more money and more fundraising, but mm-hmm. we need the House representatives to be three to four years. Uh, well, here's we what you need, could do. Uh, I mean, this is an idea worth exploring. Uh, what do you think of this? How about if the uh, if you had four-year terms in the House and all the terms were during the midterm? So in other words, the presidential election is on uh, every four years, and then two years later, the, the House election uh, would be there, and the Senate would still be six years, so they kind of stagger them at various times. But if the House election, the entire House were up for election every four years during the midterms, you know, that might be, and then, then people could concentrate on the House, concentrate on the Congress, and not be distracted by a presidential election. I, I could favor that. Yeah, I, I wouldn't mind that, and I would even mind if they did stagger uh, the House uh, seats, where maybe half the House is up every two years. Um, I think that'd oh, be a whole lot more interesting. Yeah, that'd yeah. be a whole lot more interesting. Uh-huh. And I think that you would actually see the likes of a Masters getting money from McConnell, uh, the likes of J.D. Vance getting money. Um, you know, you would actually, you know, Dr. Oz probably would have got more money because, you know, if the Republicans were only two seats short and here comes the, the uh, new election cycle, mm-hmm. well, okay, we need, to, we need three more seats. Uh, you know, and the McConnell's like, hey, I don't like this guy, but I really need this done. I'm going to have to give him money. Uh, now, yeah, see, I want to probably not. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, no, no, these are good points, and I haven't quite formulated it in my mind yet. And I need some help with this. Um, but in terms of how we structure a bill that actually eliminates parties within the legislature, so if you want to build a political party, that's great. But you can't run for office while you're a member of that party, and you certainly can't serve in office while you're a member of a political party because it takes away the representation from the people. You know how they say taxation without representation is tyranny? Well, representation representing a party over representing your constituents is tyranny also. It's the tyranny of the party. So I would say that parties can spend all the money they want on behalf of the candidates they like, but they cannot give money directly to a candidate. A candidate cannot belong to a party as long as they're running for office. And, and whatever party they used to belong to cannot be printed on the ballot. So in other words, people, that, in other that, words every, everybody's an independent. What's that? No, I, I, I'll, I'll, so you're basically turning the Republican Party or Democrat Party into a PAC which now you have uh, no well, accountability whatsoever. Yeah, well, but they're already yeah, but you still yeah, but you could see you could right now you can see all their donations and where they're coming no, from. No, they still have full disclosure. Talk- no, political contributions should still have full disclosure. If you're spending money on behalf of people, you do an ad, you know, and there still be the Federal Elections Commission should still account for that have to I don't know, uh, do you want to make them uh, I guess register as as well, what do PACs have to do? So in other words, the parties would become PACs, whatever the rules are for PACs. They have to disclose how much they spend. They have to say who they are in an ad. You know, in other words, uh, the Sierra Club can't say, you know, friends of the fuzzy caterpillar. <laughs> they have to know it's Sierra Club, you know, or, or some or, the, you know, some group that says, you know, um, priests for climate change, you know, when it's re- when it really it's, uh, you know, some wacko lobbying group. So in other words, as long as the group okay, say so who they are and the party so say who they are. It. I'm going to debunk your whole theory in one sentence here. And that is, OK, so Mitch McConnell is no longer a member of the Republican Party. Right. But the Republican Party is still going to back him 100% and give him all the money. Mm-hmm. And Mitch McConnell was a member of the Republican Party until he decided to run. And mm-hmm. so now that it, it's, it's no different. It's no, no different it whether well, you call you yourself or, There is no, no difference. No. Over it, time, it's, it will be all it is, Over, mm-hmm. all no, it is just wrong. putting the name Republican or Democrat next to the name versus not doing it. 
Well, here's the other thing, too. When you take the parties out of Congress, then there is no majority party to control Congress. So everybody's an independent, once again, in Congress. So the committee chairs would be voted in secret. There would be no monopoly by one party on all the committee chairs. There would be no monopoly on one party controlling which bills came to the floor. So yes, it would have a huge impact. Sure, the Republicans would still back Mitch McConnell and give him all the money, but they'd have to spend it on his behalf. They couldn't actually give it to him. It would have to be done as a pact, you know, independent. And so short term, yeah, everybody's going to know who the, who the party members are. But long term, as, as more and more people realize that they're independent and they're not part of a party, especially if they want to be in there long term, then they can't be in a party. You know, so it actually discourages party membership, you know, the longer somebody's in. If they're, if they're a party member and they serve for like four years, they get out and they go back and join the party. Great. No problem. You know, okay, and that's okay. okay. This so, isn't a perfect system, but it's a better system. Well, yeah, it's a better system, but you're, but you're also assuming that candidates do not talk to PACs, okay? Uh, I expect them every to talk to PACs. Site, I expect them to talk to yeah, PACs. Every, I expect them to speak before PACs. Yeah, no, they control the PAC money, okay? This mm-hmm. is the way it works. You, you can't – candidates aren't technically allowed to communicate and coordinate with PACs. But if you look at every election cycle, you'll see the same flyer with the same talking points coming from four mm-hmm. or five different PACs and also from the candidate. So don't mm-hmm. sit there and tell me that that there is no coordination. There is coordination, and, and it, but, uh, it'd be, it'd be you no, it'd be no different – It'd be no different between the candidate and uh, and the Republican Party, for example, that mm-hmm. there still would be that same exact coordination happening. And then, so when are the you Republican arguing? Party for, says, wait, 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 wait. Are you arguing for maintaining the party structure as it is? Because that's what it sounds like. So, yes and no. Okay, okay. I, I, I'm being I'm being more of the devil's advocate here, um, mm-hmm. and saying that. Why don't you be the angel's advocate? We are on the right, right track. <laughs> Tell okay. me what you support so about the plan. I know what you don't like about it. You're on Tell the right su- track in theory. Okay. The problem is, is that the devil has control of DC, and mm-hmm. the, and there and there's oh, you you have to close every loophole. And I'm crea- I'm showing I'm telling you what these loopholes are is what I'm doing. Because mm-hmm. no, that's a good idea. So the Republican Party is a pack. Mm-hmm. Their man is Mitch McConnell. Their, Mitch McConnell will still control all that money inside the Republican Party pack mm-hmm. under your theory, whether, it, whether he actually comes out and says it or not. Still not get Republican money because McConnell does not like masters, and McConnell's in charge of the Republican Party behind closed doors. Okay, you mm-hmm. still have the same power players doing the exact well, same for thing. Now, once people start running as independents, I think things. I, this, is, this is a long-term plan. This is like a 2030. This is beyond our lifetime plan. <laughs> this is a plan that's going to take generations to, to weed out the party members, the permanent party members, and, and gradually introduce you know, true independence into Congress. But the thing is, the committee chairs will not be chosen by party. They'll be chosen by the members. And uh, it's, going to be a, it's going to be a horse race. The speaker will not automatically be Kevin McCarthy because the Republicans have to have the speaker because they're in control. And they have to you know, vote for the, the one person they can all agree on so the Democrats don't vote their speaker in, you know, which could happen. You know, so well, it's, uh, yeah. it's going to take time. If you look at the current um, voter registration, there's more and more independent you have people filing independent than ever. Exactly. Before. I was just going to make that okay, point. Thank so, you. I appreciate it. Yep. You're okay. right. Okay. So mm-hmm. within mm-hmm. that, you are automatically, you know, the biggest party in America used to be the Whig Party. Okay? Mm. They disappeared. 
Okay, they disappeared. Um, I won't wear a wig. You know, so I agree. Yeah. <laughs> so you have a bunch of different parties that will come up. Um, you know, I mean, you're, 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 you know, it looks like there might even be a three-way split in the mm-hmm. Republican Party. Um, mm-hmm. There, you know, I think we're I think we're still about ten years away from a split in the Democrat Party because the minute the minute one of those parties splits, the mm-hmm. other party will. It also, I promise you that will happen. Well, this may hasten. This may hasten it because how many people are going to join a party knowing that there are no party members in elected office? Party membership might drop hugely. You might see money going directly because people would still be free to, to donate to campaigns, but parties wouldn't. Parties would have to spend on behalf. But in, but we still have individual campaign. You know, people acting as individuals can still have their individual campaign contributions, but those are a lot less. This would also clean up politics too. I think to a large extent because people donate to the party as soft money. Well, you know, that's, that would be trackable, too. But I think more and more people would become independent. I would. In fact, I'm thinking of, of canceling my voter registration uh, entirely, just so I don't get, uh, you know, on everybody's list and everything else that's going on. Um, but I'm certainly going to go probably next week uh, and unregister as a Republican. I did it for the primaries and uh, carried it through the general just because they didn't want to mess up my voter registration. But I'm, I'm going to unregister. I'm going to go back to being independent again. You know, and I hope more people do that. You know, unregistered from the geldings, and uh, let's see what happens. Yeah, and uh, you know, the only thing I have to say about that is that if you are uh, le- more of a leaning Republican or um, on the right side of a political fight, mm-hmm. you're hurting yourself because now you're not giving your voice to the primary candidate, and you're just going to have to sit there and bite the still, bullet. When it- nah, I can still give my voice to the primary candidate. I'm just not going to be part of a party. And I think a lot more people will join me in doing that. You, you can't vote for the candidate that you want to be in the general election. Yes, I and can. I register for the primary, and then I unregister after the primary. It's easy. Well, you just said next week you're going to uh, change your change to independent. So you're, right. you're going to go change fact, to independent, switch right. back to Republican, and then switch back to independent. Yep. Okay. And after the 2020 election, after the 2020 election, I said, I'm not going to be part of this this sham party that won't even correct the election. You're, you're I'm still not, part I of it. You're, you're going to you're change your you're, – you're still part of it because you're still going to be voting for it. So you're still no, I did just it. to vote in the primary. The only reason I became Republican is to vote in the primary because in this area, you know, the Democrats don't really count. <laughs> Sorry, Democrats, you don't count. You know, I mean, if you're not a member of the Republican Party, you're not going to vote in the Republican primary, and I wanted to have that voice. You know, for those elections. But at, at this point, I want nothing to do with the Republican Party. They're a bunch of GOP geldings. We got Wendy on the line too, so I can bring her on in a second. But uh, yeah, no, I don't yeah, see any, so, um, any incongruity at all with with my philosophy here. Okay, so so my final thought on this whole thing is, if if you mm-hmm. truly wanted to get something started like this, you can't mm-hmm. do it at a national level uh, because there's no way co- Congress would even think about abolishing political parties. Um, well, I'm not doing it at a national level. I'm doing no, it at a, at a, at a popular cool. level. This is populism. So what you do, to the people, to the media, then to the Congress. Hello, hello, yes. hello. Are you there? Are, are you listening? <laughs> is there anybody <laughs> listening? Knock if you can hear me. Go ahead. So what you, the best way to get started is a local petition for your local county to abolish uh, political parties in the county. Uh, that goes on a ballot once you get a certain uh, a number of signatures. Mm-hmm. Um, you start at the county level. You show success at the county level. Then you mm-hmm. get a petition for statewide. It goes on the ballot for statewide, and the people vote on it. That, mm-hmm. that's, how you, that, that's how this movement starts. It doesn't start by 
having Matt Gates present a bill to a bill to Congress because it's going to get shot down before you're even before the ink even dries. Um, no, it starts know. by by doing how I've always planned this. It starts with going to the people uh, and going to the media and have everybody start talking about this, and then it goes to the Congress when they're already under pressure, and it goes to the pollsters. You have too many people, people say, that oh. think like me. You have too many people that think like me. They won't get behind it. That's the scariest because... thing I've heard all day, Bill. Bill, that is a scary thought. <laughs> There's too many people <laughs> thinking like you. Like me. Exactly. <laughs> where they're thinking the same thing I am, where no no congressman is going to do that because it hurts their bottom line. You know, I've heard this won't. negative but Nelly stuff ever the- since I well, – Bill, hold on a second. I've heard this negative yeah. Nelly stuff ever since I started Action Radio. You're, you're, you're asking for too much. You're going too fast. You should – you know, one guy actually t- said this to me at WBY, right? He says, you need to start at the county level and try and get a county bill passed for about five years. And then maybe uh, work at the state level for another, you know, five years or so. And then maybe think about filing a bill in Congress. And I said, well, that's, that's great but I've already got, uh, you know, 15 bills with my congressman right now, and we're working on about 30 more. He's like, oh. <laughs> so, no. Which is fine. Bill, but, you know, no. But Full speed ahead. You can do the both torpedoes. at the same time. You can do oh, both okay. at the same time, believe it or not, where you start mm-hmm. at the county level, you show success, then, you know, and then, then at the same time, you have to, but you have to do a petition to get the people behind it. Bill. Okay? And, and Bill. once the people get behind Hello, it, Bill. then... Bill. Congressman will go ahead and get behind it. Bill, I want to tell you about my bill, Bill. <laughs> bill, I've got a national radio show. I don't have to start at the county level. <laughs> See what I mean? Uh, okay. Let's, let's bring more power to you then, but I mean, I, I, I'm just telling you the easiest path for this to happen is, uh-huh. you know, the easiest path. Petition. Bill, when have I ever taken the easiest path? I mean, get real. This is action radio. This isn't passive, you know, puddle splashing radio. This is real. Wendy, what do you think? <laughs> She's too busy laughing. All right, Wendy, question for you, and I'm going to leave it. I'm going to leave it at this. Less than less than fifty percent of all Christians voted this past election cycle. What can we do to get Christians to go out and vote? Actually, I don't believe that number. <clears throat> first off, um, because I just I know too many of people across the nation who have been actively pursuing uh, getting everyone to go out and vote. As a matter of fact, this was the highest turnout um, from what I can see in my circles uh, of anybody in our, our church circles going out to vote. I, I don't know where that 50% you know came from, but I, I just can't agree with that from what I know and see. Um, but as far as I think getting it's more out. The do what? Yeah, I think it's more of the bigger cities. And then the other scariest part that uh, I keep reading about is how the Catholic Church is split 50-50 on the, on the abortion issue. Um, I don't think it's 50-50, but it's definitely a 70-30 to 60-40, and even that is kind of scary. Well, it is, but, you know, the, I have long said that this is an apostate pope, and you know, he is not leading according to the traditional Catholic Church um, beliefs anyway. Uh, he is part of this new um, interfaith climate change crap going on um, and has now been part of the new Ten Commandments. Um, so, yeah. Uh-uh. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. We, there's a well, I mean, the church, I mean, you know, he, he, he's right behind it. Yeah, uh, so I'm, I'm going to leave it at that. Um, thank you for answering those questions. I'm going to. You guys have a good rest of the show. I got to go earn my dollar for today. Oh wait, Biden's still in office. I'll be earning my seventy-five cents today. <laughs> have a good day. <laughs>
So, so you know, it used to be the claim that they would say that women make seventy-five cents on the dollar. You know, Americans make seventy-five percent. You know, of what we used, to, or we now make. You know, communist America makes seventy-five percent of what we used to make as as free America. Anyway, we can talk about that one. I'll, I'll form that international joke at some point. All right, here we go. Here we go. Do you really want the truth? Do you have questions you can't ask in church? Welcome to the Oh My God Report. Wendy Arthur is more concerned with truth than propaganda, putting more value in scripture than religion, and more about you and your relationship with God than your membership in any church. This is Christianity with a kick. I need a sound effect of like a kick, like... <laughs> like like a football punt or something like that. We need to uh, I need to increase my my, my sound effects uh, range here. Good morning, Wendy. It's a beautiful day in America. Yes, it is a beautiful day in America, and um, yeah, and and not just because of Trump's announcement last night. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, like I said, I, I I still the whole story is not being told. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, of course not. About many many things. So um, yeah, I, I was really disappointed uh, last night when I saw, when I saw him, you know, only talk about the, his, his 2024 run um, because, but then again, I had to think, you know, there's, there's just too many things that cannot be said right now. So that if you expose everything that, that you're doing, then, mm-hmm. you know, your, your uh, opposition party can come and try to thwart what you're doing. So, mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I, I'm just going to let that stand. I'm going to let it roll, and people can say what they will. But I'm, I am <laughs> going on record by telling you <laughs> he will be back in office before 2024. <laughs> okay. Well, that, that sounds that sounds fine. Though. My only question is, though, that uh, if that happens, I was reading the 22nd Amendment, which says if you serve uh, less than two years of a term, uh, and I think it's to which somebody else was elected, you can run again. But if you serve more than two years of a term, to which somebody else was elected, um, then, and then, you know, then, then you can't. I'm not sure how this would work exactly. My reading initially was that if Trump takes office 20, uh, January 21st of 2023, that will give him less than two years before uh, January 20th, 2025, when he would assume office you know, and be inaugurated. Um, so I'm not sure how that works. But if he comes back earlier, is that going to allow him to run? Because it's better to have four years of Trump than to have two years, you know, in this horrible situation. In other words, he'd just take those two years, fix everything, and then he'd have to leave and we'd get somebody else in as opposed to having, you know, be able to fix things starting now with a little bit with the Republican Congress, maybe, probably not. But uh, at least things are so bad now, people realize how bad they are. I think it's going to severely limit, you know, the damage the Democrats can do. And it gives Trump two years to form a really great cabinet to really educate the American people uh, as to all kinds of issues. That's what I hope to help with. You know, I hope to be consultants to the Trump campaign with our citizen legislation and really build a consensus. I mean, that's, that's my goal. And so it may be more beneficial to us to uh, have this, uh, you've got in history as the stolen, the stolen term, you know, the coup d'etat, you know, and have that in the history books to study for future generations and have Trump come in for a full term in 2024. What do you think? Well, it's not just this term, you know, you know 2020 being stolen. We mm-hmm. just had 2022 stolen. You know, this oh, no, it's, it's, well, 2018 was stolen um, also. I don't know if you saw my post, but... Uh, well, yeah, it the, is. I mean, it's been being yep. stolen for years. But, but the point mm-hmm. is, it is so blatant. I mean, just absolutely in your face. Mm-hmm. And nobody, uh, and when I say nobody, I'm talking about Republicans who, you know, have... The Geldings. No the Gelding sex. party. Gelding uh, yeah. old party. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, who the surrender are party. in there, to, you know, to only 
you know, further the Democrat agenda. So mm-hmm. they're not even really Republicans. I can't even say it. So, you know, um, it, so this, this is, there's so much more to this entire story. It's not even funny. So why, why was this even possible after mm-hmm. the 2020 um, debacle? How well, was it. it even possible you know, well, that, that this was able to go on again? We said this for two years. We talked about this for two years, Wendy, that uh, I said, if you don't correct 2020, you're never going to have a 2022. And we were right. Exactly what we all talked about happened. They didn't correct 2020. Um, And so 2022 was another fraud. Yeah, and that's true. But and so I'm going to go ahead and let you know Mm -hmm. that all these people in 2020, like Arizona, Pennsylvania, Mm -hmm. Georgia, uh, Mm -hmm. that they're not going to keep the seats. That this is going to be overturned, and you know, right now God is in heaven, just laughing his butt off, <laughs> if if I can say that about God. But you know, <laughs> he is apparently laughing. God has a sense of humor because we're still on the air, so uh, so it's okay. <laughs> so I, yeah, I, I would yeah. I would go forth and, uh, and be funny. <laughs> God has a sense of humor. Well, because and if you'll remember, mm-hmm. I have said several times on on my little segment here that God doesn't need the midterms. God doesn't need elections at all. Exactly. Um, you know, and he is going to have his way, and he's going to do it in a way that everybody – I'm talking everybody. Nobody can say that man did this. Like n- no party did this. No um, three-letter organization did this. And yet God's going to say, watch this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. hold, hold my sister and watch this, you know. <laughs> I'm going to blow everybody's mind, and and he is, and and it will only be a God thing to have everything turned around and turned over the way he says it's going to happen. Um, yeah. And people were saying that you know, well, what happened to the red wave? Oh, it was there. It definitely was there. It's just that once again they flipped seats because they had to have all those extra days to count ballots. Um, you know, or and throw them in ravines. You know, <laughs> exactly. No, no. I say machines. You it say happens. ravines. <laughs> yeah, you know exactly yep. right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, well, um, that's the thing that uh, whatever happens was well, this is a realization I had, I think, a few days ago that I thought, you know, they have to count the ballots after the polls close. And I thought, well, wait a minute. That's not true, because when I put my ballot into the DS-200 machine that I'm trying to get rid of here uh, in Santa Rosa County, and apparently there's a petition starting to do that. So that's that's a that's a start. But once you put your vote in, that vote is actually counted. So the vote is completely yes. counted. You know, the minute the last person leaves the polls and the minute the last person leaves the last poll that closes in in a state. And, of course, Florida, we've got two time zones. So the last person that leaves uh, uh, their polling place at 7 p.m. Central Time, all the votes are counted. It's just a matter of tabulating them, you know, and coordinating the the results and announcing it. That's what takes a couple hours. And that makes sense. So anything that takes more than two, maybe three hours at the outside. So anything that's not done by 10 o'clock is a vote fraud. It's just that simple. You know, because you count the early votes because they come in early. You count the votes by mail because right. they have to be in. In Florida, at least, they have to be in before the election. They don't come in on election day. It's too late. Right. Votes by mail. Right. And mo- but see, Arizona doesn't do that. They still bring in mail-in ballots on election day. But if you count all your votes, this is why Florida was so good. So Florida, you count all your votes ahead of time. All your early votes are counted by like the Saturday before the Tuesday. Now, the mail-in ballots, same thing. They're counted you know, by the Saturday. They, they're counted when they come in, right? So, so most of the vote is already counted before Election Day. So the only votes you're counting are on Election Day, and those are counted when people actually put their, their ballot in one of these stupid machines. It's counted. Now, whether it's counted correctly is a different matter, but it's certainly counted. So the counting process is done when the polls close. 
It's just a matter of tabulating. And this is why I said that anything that happens after after 10 o'clock, you know, is vote fraud. No, I'm not, you're right. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's always fun. <laughs> but um, I do want to um, touch on a few things because um, mm-hmm. the 24th of the month for the last several months um, has, or two, two or three, I think the third, three months now, um, mm-hmm major things happened in, in God's world um, mm. yeah, in, in, on, his, on his calendar. That's when so, I had heart surgery, um, by the way. It was on the 24th, six years ago. Well, there you go. See, it's, it's a significant number. And, Apparently. Um, and, and the cycle is, is not done yet. So November 24th, which happens to be Thanksgiving this year, um, okay. and, and next week is happening, mm. um, look for something significant because um, the prophets – I've been saying for a while um, there's a, a great silence is going, is going to be heard. And, huh. you know, something significant is going to be happening during the great silence. And, um, of course, there's God isn't saying what the silence is. He's saying there's going to be a great silence. Um, and But some of the uh, prophets have been saying, you know, uh, look for rolling blackouts during that time um, or somewhere from uh, on the 24th or thereafter. Um, so I don't know if that's going to be part of the great silence or what, and, and to me, the great silence, probably you know, like no communication. So I don't know if it's going to be an internet thing, if it's going to be a phone thing or, or what's going to go on, but, um, just kind of keep that in the back of your mind. And, um, because I, I don't, God doesn't want his people to be caught unaware, but he doesn't want them to be in fear. So uh, again, you know, fear is is a big deal with God. He doesn't want anybody in fear. Um, He wants you to realize how strong and and powerful he is and how capable he is of taking care of those who believe in him. Um, So if you are still not standing with the Lord, just why wait? Just why wait? Yeah. Yeah. Don't have to talk with the Lord. Get in line now. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That's right. I mean, bow now, avoid the rush. And this is this is my thing. <laughs> bow now, bow now, brown cow. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Isn't that how it goes? It's um, um, I don't know. I'm not talking about no, no, cow now, brown it, cow. But okay. I know, but um, I, was, I was I was I was being funny, or at least trying to. It happens. Yes. <laughs> so, but what I'm saying is, mm-hmm. is, I really want people to understand that you know there there's a very real God and there is a rare, very real battle between um, you know the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. And if if you don't know what kingdom you're in, if you're mm-hmm. just kind of walking around, you know, letting things happen and um, you know just see how all the chips fall, you know, uh, don't do that. You know, go ahead and secure your place in the kingdom. You know, because um, I'm telling you, it's not going to go well for those who are opposing the Lord. And you're saying, well, you know, some people say, I'm not opposing him. I just don't know if I believe in him. Well, there's no fence, people. There is no fence. There, that, that is no <laughs> this is a participation you know, sport. Yeah, you can't just, yeah. Either yeah, you accept the universe like, as a know, colossal it's accident. A participation or, trophy. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, and you know? I ask people to say, so, yeah. I ask people a question: no, Is the saying. universe uh, uh, designed, or is it, by, is it some colossal accident? You know, <laughs> if you believe it's a colossal accident, then uh, it's pretty good. Have you have you figured the odds on that? You think buying a lottery ticket is bad? Try imagining the universe doing, you know, forming the way it is as some colossal, you know, coincidence. I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Well, you know, my dad had had a a, a great thing. He was a, a gunsmith, a master gunsmith, and hmm. um, he he had a um, on his counter in his shop when people would come in. 
he had a uh, brown lunch bag on the counter full of bolts and washers and, and nuts. And whenever um, somebody would say that they didn't, you know, they were, it, they believed in evolution, not, not in a, in creation. And dad say, Oh, that's awesome. He says, you want to prove your theory? And they say, what? <laughs> I know what's coming. Go ahead. He says, he says, he said, pick up that bag of nuts and bolts and washers right there. He says, because basically that is all chaos and, you know, everything that in that bag. Now, they will go together in, in a certain, you know, order if you mm-hmm. actually did that. If you pick one up and you, you, you know, put the, the bolt and the washer in the nut and you, you know, tie, tighten them all together, he says, then that's the, the way they should be. That's how they function. He says, but. If you're saying it just randomly happened, you know, that creation randomly happened, he says, then you should be able to pick up this bag, shake it as much as you want, and take, take all the time that you need until every bolt and nut and washer is fully assembled in working order. And he says, I'm going to work on your gun now. You go ahead and knock yourself out. Now, <laughs> and they just kind of look at him and say, well, that's impossible. He says, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh yeah, that's funny. That that's a great example too. Yeah, if you believe these things, you know, uh, I mean, how, why do we? Sh- I heard somewhere we share forty percent of the DNA with a tulip. Well, we're both life forms, <laughs> so it actually makes kind of sense. I mean, DNA is is uh, DNA is the one thing that really uh, throws the evolutionists out and becomes adaptation as opposed to actual evolution of species. Well, what is what happens with the, the folks that openly declare, you know, that they're Marxists, that they're godless, that they have no god? They've almost given up the chance, you know, right there, and everything they represent. You know, the tyranny, the, the oppression, the, the deaths of millions that they don't care about because their ideology is stronger than their, their humanity. Uh, that really is, you know, is, is Marx, you know, the enemy inspired kind of thing or is, it, or is it just a philosophy that has gone nuts? You know, is there anything in scripture for like the, the Marxian movement, the, the, the godless communist oppressive forces that seek control without any ability to, first of all, do anything right, but secondly, without any regard for humanity at all? Except for themselves. Well, yeah, because okay. you know when God was, uh, when Jesus was here, He said, "You are of your father, the devil." And how do you know that? Because children will mimic and and emulate what mm-hmm. they see their fathers do, right? Mm-hmm. So right. if you, it says, every good and perfect thing comes from the Father of Lights. You know, talking about God. Mm-hmm. If it's good and it's perfect, it came from God. If it's not, guess where it came from? Hmm. You know, yeah. so, yeah. Um, and there is a, a specific um, anti-Christ and anti-God um, spirit, you know, that comes from Satan himself. And mm. it's not just um, your normal wickedness, you know, or evil or sin. And because, you know, there's a lot of people, you know, bound in sin they they are maybe they're addicted or they, they have something else going on in their lives that it's just they can't get over that stronghold in their life okay mm-hmm. well that's one thing that that sin wickedness is a different thing evil right. is a different thing yeah um and and i'm not making light of sin because that that will lead you into deeper and darker stuff if you don't deal with it and you don't let you know god cleanse that um well, it's almost like a but, warning you know, you, you, if you start down a path, it it's like work. the warning flag. It's like you're getting the flags on the road, you know, slippery when wet, you know, merge, you know, bridge freezes first. Okay, so here's, here's your warning signs. Okay, you're already, you're already in a bad right. place. <laughs> you know, turn around now. You right. know, floodwaters ahead, right. bridge out. You know, don't keep going. You know, so uh, 
and, and the that's warnings right. get stronger and that's stronger right. depending on what you do. Yeah, interesting. Okay. Right. But then you cross over until where you, you have aligned yourself. You have embraced the, the thought and the heart of Satan himself. Okay. And there are so many people in that place that, that they, they will refuse to say, oh, no, I, I'm, I'm not a Satanist. I just don't believe in God. Well, okay, so you may not be worshiping Satan as a Satanist does, but mm-hmm. you are following him and he is your father. So there's only, you know, two, two fathers to have. You know, you can choose God the father, you can choose Satan as, as your father, and your, the fruit of your life will, will show who you're following. So, um, so there's, no, there's, there's no middle ground here. There's, there's no agnostic is what you're saying because there's no way to say, well, I'm not sure I don't believe in God. I, I don't think I believe in, the, in, in uh, Satan. So I want to just kind of like hang in the middle here. Or is there no middle ground? Sounds like there's there no is middle no ground. middle ground. Okay. All right. God says you're either for me or against me. Period. Well, that's pretty clear. Yeah. Oh, I'm for him, by the way. <laughs> Put me in the yeah. four category, <laughs> just in case there's any doubt. Well, you know, and here's the thing, you know, people don't like absolutes like that. You know, they yeah. want to have that middle ground so they can just say, well, I'm still deciding. No, you're not. You've already decided. So the good thing is mm-hmm. God allows U-turns. You know, he says, just come to me. I am so willing and ready and wanting to forgive that mindset and, and bring mm-hmm. you into the kingdom. I want you into my family. You know, God loves a big family. He wants you in his family. He wants to bless mm-hmm. his children. Um, but there are so many people who have bought the lie that there is a fence that they can be, sit on. No, there mm-hmm. is no fence. Mugwumps. So, Remember the expression mugwump? You know, yeah, mugwumps. Did- do you ever hear that? For those that don't remember the no. uh, our early 1900s, that your mug, in other words, your face was on one side of the fence and your wump, and I'll let you imagine what that is, was sticking out the other side of the fence. <laughs> you know, so if you're sitting on the that's fence, funny. you know, you have your mug on one side and, the, and your wump on the other, and the expression that's where the expression mugwumps came from. So there's no there's no mugwumps as far as God's concerned. No, oh, okay. Well, just, I'm, yeah. the things I know scare me. <laughs> it's really kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> They all come out at the weirdest time. You know, it's just, uh, this is where I could play Jeopardy at like five years old and, and be good at it. it, was, it that was scary too. Well, that, I think that's awesome. <laughs> okay. um, I, I, I want uh, to kind of remind people, um, Frank Kuhneman is, um, I mean, Hank, Hank Kuhneman is, is out of um, Iowa, I think, or mm-hmm. Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Nebraska. I don't know who and, that is, um, so that's, that's one that escaped me. Who's he? Yeah, um, he, he um he had given a word uh, that the Lord told him that um, this was back in end of October, early, early November. Um, he said yeah, that don't, don't depend on the midterms. Do not look to the midterms to change anything. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so when he asked the Lord, he says, well, what do you mean? I, Cause <laughs> it's, don't you want the righteous people in there? <laughs> and he, and he told um, Hank Kuhnman, he said, do not look to the midterms. He says, because it's going to be on my terms. And I shared that a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I remember. And so, and sure, sure enough, you know, here we are thinking that the midterms is going to change everything. Nope. So I, so I just want to give people hope. Don't give up and don't, don't say, well, it didn't happen. It's not going to happen. And don't get into a funk and some kind of depression that, you know, all, all these words are not true. No, God is waiting to a point where he's saying it is not even humanly possible to change this. I'm going to do it. When he says my terms, he means it. So God well, is changed. a God of absolutes. 
Yeah, something's changed. I mean, I feel that the world changed last night. Yes, I know Trump declared, but something, you know, I, I just felt really peaceful and calm this morning. And I was, I was sort of thinking to myself, the show's about to start, you know, and I was, you know, because I get, I'm very subject to, to impressions and, and feelings and, you know, the spiritual world mm-hmm. and, and all these things. And it's just, I was amazingly calm. And whatever's going to happen is happening. And it's, this is, I feel the next two years are going to be unbelievable. Um, not just for action radio in terms You're of right. what we can do, but I think there's something, there's going to be a, a massive change and I can feel it. I mean, I actually feel it in my soul that something is moving, that there's a, and it's, it's very, it's an incredibly calm feeling. So it's probably like God sitting on my going, Greg, why didn't you realize this earlier? <laughs> you know, I'm just thinking that, but uh, this is, this is, uh, this is how, uh, this is what I'm thinking right now, that there's something very calming about, uh, about what's happening and, and all those Trump doubters and all those, well, here's something too. You know, you always have the, the, the hangers on the, uh, you know, I always believe this, you know, until I didn't believe it. You know, people were saying, oh, Trump's not the one. He's not. The, he, he can't be uh, president. You know, we need better choices. Mike Pence, the traitor that put um, uh, Brandon in, in the White House. Um, you know, they're all they're all bad mouthing him. All of a sudden, Trump declares as like, oh, I'm for Trump. I'm for Trump. Me, too. You know, Bill was talking about oh, Newsmax. Yep, that's me, too. So what do you what, in biblical terms? What, what are those people called that will just say anything, do anything, you know, ride the popular wave and say that they were there all along when they had no conviction whatsoever? They're just, uh, just you know, trying to uh, latch onto whatever the popular thing is and you know, self-aggrandize. Uh, you know I, I mean? call them Pharisees, but you know. <laughs> so Pharisees, I've heard that term, but I'm not as familiar. This is why I have you on the show. What's a Pharisee? Uh, well, Pharisees were the religious leaders of the day, um, oh. and basically, you know, what what they said, you know, went. And then if all of a sudden you did something like when Jesus said. Uh, I'm the way and the truth of life. You know, no uh-huh. one gets to the Father except by me. Um, uh-huh. You know, they freaked out. And um, instead of actually talking to him and finding out that he really is the Son of God, um, you know, uh-huh. they decide, oh, let's just kill him. Mm, and yeah. all of a sudden, you know, that all sense. the rules that they wanted everybody else to follow did not yeah. apply to them. You know, <laughs> Well, this sounds like our, our modern um, political parties. I mean, I don't see a whole lot of difference between the, the Rhino Democrat Party, which is what I'm now calling them, or the Democrat Rhinos. Uh, and uh, yeah. you, you got two parties in Congress right now. You got the, the Rhino Democrats, and you've got the uh, the House Freedom Caucus. And there's 30 of them, uh, as opposed to you know 500 and some odd of the other party. Well, just keep in mind that you know the the Pharisees made 613 laws that they expected everyone to follow. They mm. didn't, but they wanted everybody else to follow 613 laws. God never made those. They no, did. God made 10. Do you know what's interesting? You know, there are 10 commandments, 10 bill of rights, and 10 planks of the Communist Manifesto. That's a big number. 10 is important. It, it is important. You know, yeah. and that's why, you know, Ferrari and, you know, that you want to know what a false prophet is, look at him. But, you know, he, he's the one who, who is saying that, you know, well, what's the big deal? God only made organic life. You know, we're, we're going to make cyborgs. Okay, well, fine. <laughs> God only made <laughs> well, organic they, life? They, Has he explained the planet somehow? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, thank you. And um, so, yeah, he said, you know, God only made giraffes, trees, and uh, organic life, you know, like as in man, you know. Wait a minute. Rocks are organic. Volcanoes are organic. What do you think that stuff is? It's minerals. What do you think is in our body? Calcium, magnesium, zinc, copper. Those are minerals. We are the earth. We are the minerals. We're all the same stuff. 
So everything on Earth, on Earth is organic. The sky is organic. We breathe oxygen. There's oxygen in the air. There's oxygen in the plants. There's oxygen everywhere. There's oxygen in our internal combustion engines. I, in fact, I'll talk to Mike about this. So the difference between an internal combustion engine that runs on hydrocarbons that adds oxygen through a carburetor or fuel injection is exactly the same as the carbohydrates that already have the oxygen that we burn for fuel. It's the same friggin' engine. One's mechanical and one's human. What's the difference? They're all burning the same stuff. I find that interesting. Well, except for, you know, except for we have souls, but you know, right? <laughs> well, no, I mean, we're different than a car. Well, no, I'm sorry. 1967 Pontiac Firebirds have a soul, too. I, I know it's there. I'm going to find it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you are going to get that car one day. <laughs> I'm going to find Kit. Kit, Kit is going to talk to me. My, my, you know, my, my car is going to talk to me, and it's going to sound like that, that British guy. Well, Greg. <laughs> yeah. Hell yes, Greg. It's time you started the engine, and let's go for a drive, shall we? Yes. So uh, yeah. Yeah, there's some ancient well, British, I, I, you know, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> we digress. Yeah. Well, Mike, Mike has, you know, worked on every kind of engine, you know. Um, so, yeah, if you want to talk mechanics, he, he, he's your guy. <laughs> okay. So we'll put this as the, yeah. oh, my mechanic port then? We'll, we'll, we'll move on? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, I, I can go ahead and, and, and hand the, the microphone <laughs> over to Mike, and, and you guys can talk. Guys, you can hand the mic to Mike? I have no clue about <laughs> You yeah, had the mic to mic. Yeah. Well, you know what we need to do though. Um, first of all, I need more things. You need to get a microphone uh, if you can. I don't know if, uh, or I, I, I should. I, I'm going to find a way to get you one. But so we need you and, and Bill and, and all our regular folks to get a Yeti Blue mic so I can send you direct connections, um, so that you can uh, you can do this kind of stuff. All right. Well, let's give let's give uh, Mike an intro theme here, uh, and then we'll get into uh, news of the oil business. <laughs> Action Radio presents So we have a special feature here. We've got uh, Wendy's husband, Mike, or, and, uh, on the line here. And so, Mike, grab the mic, and uh, I'm talking to the mic. And, Mike, what you doing? <laughs> Sorry, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. How you doing? Yeah. How you feeling today? Ready for some radio? Well, mother always said I had a faith for radio, so go. We forgot to prove. Yeah, well, we all have faith for radio. I That's what we I do there. Came up with that. Oh no, no, it's actually been said before. Well, it's I like what you fascinating. said about the hydrocarbon thing, by the way. Because okay. Always Let's felt start like there. I was a diamond. Well, well, this is a revelation we had a few weeks ago, and we're talking about um, uh, whether the Earth makes oil, the the abiotic theory. And Gregory Wrightstone, who's uh, who is the executive director of the the CO2 coalition, who loves carbon dioxide. I love carbon dioxide too. You know, we're part of the carbon cycle, um, and so I find it uh, um, fascinating. You know the way this works. So oil is hydrocarbon, hydrogen and carbon. Uh, and, and correct me on this if I'm wrong, but I read somewhere that octane. And we look at the octane rating on, on fuel, that's an eight carbon chain, oxygen being an eight, you know, the number eight, uh, uh, octave, eight notes to, to the musical scale. So is, is octane rating, it's, it's an eight carbon chain, correct? Are you an organic chemist? Do you have a little that's bit cool. of that in your background? Okay. So, and as I understand the oil, the, the fuel, the grades, there are more carbon, there are more bonds um, between the carbon chain you know, for the higher performance fuel, because it, it takes more energy and pressure to release those bonds, and they get more energy for the fuel to burn. So you've got. To, so is that true that the, the, the carbon they're actually refining oil uh, into gasoline 
you know, with, with more carbon bonds so they can actually make higher performance fuel. Is that how it works? Yeah, well, first thing you have to consider, the first thing, the petroleum has mm-hmm. so many more aspects than just gasoline. There's well, yeah, so we, many, I want to get into uh, those, too. Like, well, tell me about petroleum. Tell me what it is. What, what is petroleum? Let's, let's start at the basics. Well, first off, let me preface this by saying I am in no way a chemical engineer or mm-hmm. uh, I'm someone that used to work in a chemical plant, and we've made nitrated aromatics, which is a, a derivative of petroleum products. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's where my uh, is that fertilizer? expertise comes from. <laughs> was that nitrogen uh-huh. fertilizer, or what was it? What exactly was that stuff? No, no, we didn't do fertilizers. We made stuff like we took benzene, which is a derivative of uh, petroleum, and mm-hmm. we nitrated it, and we made a product called MNB, and we used that MNB to feed another plant, which made a, a product called aniline. Well, aniline is used in tires. It's in Tylenol. Aniline has a wide a variety of uses, and um, there's a lot of plants around the world that make aniline, but we made the sweetest aniline in the world. Our mm. aniline was point zero uh, 99.9999% pure, so that's why we were in high demand for our aniline, but we were right across the street from the southeast largest petroleum manufacturing uh, gasoline company, Chevron, mm-hmm. in Mississippi. So I had a lot of friends there, and we would spend nights, our night shifts, on the phone talking about what we did. Hmm. So that's where my expertise comes from. But I do know this. We were talking, me and you were talking on the phone the other day about this uh, manufactured diesel shortage that's trying to crop up in the United States. Mm-hmm. There's no such shortage. There can't be. If they because. were a shortage of diesel, it would be a shortage of gasoline. Okay. Because in order to make the diesel, you have to refine it from the gasoline. Uh, they feed all the petroleum. And first off, the petroleum goes into a distillation column as either light, sweet, or sour crude oil. So crude oil, let's, let's, uh, uh, I want to I pick your brain a bit for I know you're not an expert, and that's okay. I don't have a broadcast degree. It doesn't stop me from doing a, a worldwide radio show. <laughs> uh, so it's, not, it's what you know. It's not what, uh, what, what pieces of paper you have hanging on your wall that, that counts to me. Sure. So oil, let's start with the basics. You know, Beverly Hillbillies, you know, up from the ground came a bubble and crude. You know, so crude oil. That's crude right. oil is, is the organic material. It is all the, the algae and organic compounds and muds and all the other stuff that mixes together. You know, it's not your T-Rex white bones, folks, that you see in Jurassic Park. Okay, you're not going to get oil from T-Rex bones, okay? Ain't going to happen. So it's not a fossil fuel. This is an organic fuel. So organic material, as I understand, goes under millions of years or however many years of temperature and pressure, and it gets squished and crushed and pressurized and tempered, and it becomes hydrocarbons. In other words, crude oil uh, or coal. Uh, or natural yeah, gas. And it gets mixed right? with other things depending on what part of the world it's in. Oh, okay, tell like, me. Uh, you, have, you have three basic petroleums. You have sour petroleum. You have light, sweet, crude petroleum. And you have uh, uh, stuff called mazut. I think that's how it's pronounced, M-A-Z-U-T. Not matzah? And that's light, that's sweet, bread, right? Crude. You want some matzo? You want some matzo? I got some matzo. Go ahead, go ahead, try it. It's good. Right? We're going to give it to Delhi. Okay, fine. Go ahead. Right, tell, me, tell me about matzo. What yeah, are you well, talking it's about? A, it's a Hebrew oil. <laughs> it's like exactly. matzo balls. Yes, yes, Jewish oil. 
Yes, from, from the yeah, plains of Israel, <laughs> from the vast oil fields of Israel. Actually, Israel doesn't have oil. That's one of the ironies of, uh, you know, of all the places to pick in the well, world to live. Uh, they pick the one place in the Middle East without oil. You know, great, great planning, guys. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, well, there's an oil company in Israel. It's called Zion Oil. Hmm. And we are, I'm, I'm heavily invested in it. Interesting. So, um, don't give us away all I'm your secrets. It'll be a run. Okay. Hmm? I said, don't give away all your secrets. So there'll, anyway, there'll, be a, there'll be a run on stock. <laughs> I'm just gonna, kidding. No, <laughs> that, don't mind me. So, so crude oil. So, so the stuff in the ground is this organic compound. Temperature, pressure, it combines. Uh, and we have these, these different, like I say, uh, basically oil, coal, natural gas. Um, are they usually located together? You know, or is coal deeper? I mean, an oil. I think natural gas is you find it on top of oil fields. And they used to, if I remember, they used to burn it off or just let it go. Going, what, what's this stuff? You know, they let the gas yeah, and they take the oil. Gas. Right, but now they keep yeah, the I don't, gas. I don't really they, know how they separate the natural gas from the. Uh, I think it's already separate. Natural gas, I think. I think it comes first. separate. I think I, I could be wrong, but I think it comes yeah. separate. So they they tank the gas, they they capture the natural gas, and then they pump out the oil, as I understand it. Well, not all sense? gas comes separate, like butane. Butane oh. is a cut off of petroleum. Okay. When they so can, when they first put this uh, petroleum product, the light sweet crude, uh-huh. into what's called a distillation column. What's and that? And that inside that column, they have a catalyst, and they don't tell you what's in the catalyst because that that mm-hmm. part is secret. Ooh. But uh, the you know a lot of distillation processes are done under a vacuum. And you understand that, you know, when you put something under pressure, under a vacuum, it changes the boiling points. Right. So the the petroleum, though, is done under pressure. And it's done what's called cracking. Matter of fact, the yeah, explain that. goes through is called a coked cracker. Okay. And uh, that is the most, from what I understand, one of the most dangerous parts of the whole Distillation process is when you fire that cracking unit up after it's been down for a while. Once it's up and running and and doing its thing, and all that catalyst has to be changed out from time to time. That's why they have to shut it down. But uh, so cracking, when they fire that thing up. I, I want to focus on that just for a second. I want to just jump here if I can, if it's okay. Um, the tower, it's like this it's this big tower, and they actually heat the oil. And when you're talking about different boiling points, doesn't it evaporate? Uh, at, cer- at different levels, and this big tower, you know, where it evaporates, it's kind of like taken out, and that's how they separate the oil in this tower by heating it up, and, and these different boiling points allow the individual yeah, they, compounds of crude to separate. Is that how it works? Tell me. That's exactly uh, That's oh, okay. it in a wow. nutshell. And like Jeez. when you feed the light sweet crude in, uh-huh. at the very top of the column, that's where right. the, we call them lights. Okay. And uh, like the first cut off of petroleum is butane. And the other lighter products, like I think toluene and benzene, both are lighter than uh, gasoline. And uh, it will oh. actually come off at 85 degrees Fahrenheit. So, so that's not even that's not even heated. That could be a hot summer day. So, is the oil put in at the bottom of the tower or the top of the tower? Well, it has different feed points, uh, but uh, ultimately, okay. I believe it will be a midpoint feed. Right. And the heavies will go to the bottom and the lights will go to the top. And they slowly bring the temperature up in order to take off whatever they want to take off. Like when, when it's at 85 degrees, then the butane comes off. 
Okay. And then when you get to 85 to 185 degrees, the gasoline will come off. Okay. And it's liquid form. Is it liquid form or gas? Is, is it a gas? Is it a liquid form or a gas form huh? at that point? Is gasoline a liquid oh, or liquid. a gas? It's is liquid. It's okay. really more like a vapor. And it separates and then they, from the crude at the bottom, I guess, right? Yeah, and they put the okay. vapor through a, a heat heat exchanger. Right. It's uh, water on one side, and of course, vapor on the other. It's a tube exchanger. Mm-hmm. And then as they cool it down, it falls out into a liquid. Okay, so it condenses back again. All right. Well, this is like a still. <laughs> this is like making moonshine. <laughs> this is That's what it exactly sounds like. what it is. It's like making oh, okay. moonshine, but in a big right. form. <laughs> <laughs> I love these real world examples. So moonshine, you put your corn mash in, right? So that'd be your crude oil, right? Put your corn mash in, you heat yeah. it up, and, and the, the good stuff, the alcohol, vaporizes into an alcohol vapor, and it goes and it goes through a condensing tube, and then it condenses as the liquid in the jar, and then you sell it illegally and don't, hope the feds don't catch you. But that's basically the same process. Yeah. You heat the, the main crude, the complex, all those wonderful organic compounds that are in oil and, and coal and, and everything else. They're all put together, uh, but it is flammable. I mean, we do burn these things, so this is why this is a dangerous process. So you've got to heat it, but not sure. have it explode sure. <laughs> you know, or not have it burn. So you have to be very careful heat and the different temperatures vaporize the different compounds. This is what distillation is. It's a heating process. So let me see if I'm explaining this correctly. So as you heat the crude and then you reach a higher and higher boiling point, the different compounds within the crude oil vaporize. They get taken out. They're condensed separately, and that's, how, that's what refining is. So you separate through heat. That's what distillation is, if I remember, and the different vapors come off, they're separated, and that's how you, you get your, ultimately, your different products, your gasoline, your kerosene, you know, your butane, toluene, benzene, uh, nitrogen fertilizer, plastics, tar, you know, at the bottom end, you got this really thick sludge, kind of like Bach beer sludge, if we can go back to our, our moonshine you know, They analogy. actually use that sludge. I mean, they, they have to get it to 1,000 degrees. Really? And once they do, that's the very bottom, that's your fuel, like what goes into your houses to heat your homes. How about roads like tar? Like, uh, how about the sludgy or roof, you know, stuff, that horrible roof smell tar that they slap on roofs? Is that like the bottom end of the, of the, of the petroleum spectrum? I don't really know the answer to that question, but I would assume so because it's cheap. I mean, when you go and buy a five gallon bucket of tar, it's not that expensive. Okay. But you're right, it is a petroleum distillate. It's all petroleum products. I figure it's the bottom of sludge because it's yeah, the thickest. It's thick. So I'm just going by the thinnest would be and the thinnest gas. The lowest atomic weight gasoline or the lowest atomic weight vapor would be at the top. That would be your butane, which goes in your lighter fluid, if I remember, uh, or lighter cigarette lighters. Some people used to have cigarette lighters back when people smoked a lot more. Sure. Uh, all the way down to your right. roof tar and your, your asphalt uh, road tar and everything in between. Yeah. This is fascinating. That's right. I really like having you on the show. You but should do this more so often. so many yeah. products, uh-huh. uh, byproducts like like one of the byproducts I was talking about, benzene, we made that down on. We also nitrated uh, toluene, which uh-huh. is a petroleum derivative. And uh, we fed that toluene into a set of nitrators. Hmm. And when you add one more nitrator to the mix and run it back through two more times, you get TNT. Ooh, can we talk about so, dynamite? Yeah. So let's let's talk about dynamite. Let's get this is Alfred. For those that don't know, Alfred Nobel, the Nobel Prize. You know his his claim to fame was creating dynamite. So we get dynamite from petroleum. Explain that one again. That one that's that's kind of cool. 
How do you, how do you make dynamite? Well, this is on the, available on the internet, folks. So, so all those terrorists out there, they already know how to do this, okay? I'm not giving away proprietary information. I'm just curious for those of us <laughs> who don't know. So Hold the on, terrorists already know. They already know how to make atomic bombs, too, do. folks. That's online, too. So anyway, so, so TNT, what, what is, do you know what TNT stands for? Is it toluene, nitrogen? Tri-nitrated tri- toluene. That's toluene that's been nitrated three times. But has it become solid then? Huh? How does it become a solid? You know, if you have a stick, of, you don't have a stick of gas. You have a stick of dynamite. How does it become? Uh, how do they turn into a solid? They, they turn TNT into dynamite. But, but it starts the as a gas. Process of the explosive product. Uh-huh. The right. TNT is a liquid form. Oh, it's a liquid form. Oh. Yeah, maybe they add a, a compound to it that allows it to the the uh, an absorbing compound that absorbs the liquid form of it, and then they light the fuse and make the explosions and you know send the Chinese in to make the railroads, <laughs> which is what they used to do. Um, <laughs> Chinese did, did they you did know, the Chinese uh, did the dynamiting. Back you know, in they, the they day, the old timers yeah. used to put out uh, very large forest fires with TNT. Hmm. Tell me. They would, uh, and and it was glass. They had this special cart. TNT on, and mm-hmm. it was uh, it was like riding on a mattress because it was so volatile. They had to do something to even transport it. And when mm-hmm. they would get the uh, the wagon to the fire wherever they needed to be, then they would set these all around the base of the fire. And when the fire reaches, of course, it blow up. And when it did, sucked all the oxygen out of the atmosphere and put fire out. Interesting. Hence the expression "blow it out." I mean, literally, they would blow it up and blow yeah. it out. Interesting. That's you know, right. That makes sense. Yeah. TNT's been around a long time. Hmm. But I don't know how they made all that back in the day because, like I said, we took uh, toluene and nitrated it. Now, we didn't make TNT as a final product. We made MNT, which is mononitrated toluene. And then, like I said, TNT is trinitrated toluene. It's been nitrated three times with a fourth nitrator. And, um, and so you just pump you pump nitrogen gas you pump nitrogen gas through the the liquid and that's how you nitro that's how you nitrogenate it is that how they do it negative no how'd you do it's it nitric acid nitric it's not acid nitrogen, it's not acid yeah oh okay so, you see the the nitric acid will combine with the toluene presence of sulfuric acid so sulfuric acid is your catalyst and the okay. nitrator would uh, have the feed of toluene, nitric acid, and sulfuric acid. And then we control the temperature of the nitrators. And they would run through three nitrators. Now, at, even though it ran through tr- three nitrators, it was not nitrated three times. Huh. That was just to get the level of nitric up to a certain level. But then you would have to do the whole process again two more times with a fourth nitrator in order to make TNT. Now, I don't know all the, all the uh, things associated with that. No, but that's I okay. That this is, well, you know what, what's fascinating about this, Mike, is that um, the, the molecules, the, the elements that we work with, uh, some of them are so close together in formula, you know, you wouldn't believe it. Um, it's interesting that one of the byproducts, actually two of the byproducts of, of burning, you know, what, what people are calling fossil fuels, what I call organic fuels, the two main are carbon dioxide and water. And the other two are, are nitrogen monoxide, which becomes nitrogen dioxide when it cools. 
uh, and sulfur monoxide, which becomes sulfur dioxide. And those combine with water to form nitric acid and, and sulfuric acid. So nitri- nitrogen, yep. uh, nitrogen dioxide, NO2, combines with H2O, and you get H2NO4. And sulfuric acid, same thing, H2SO4. So they're very similar elements. Um, yeah, yeah. And so that was what people were worried about with acid rain. So when the cars got cleaner, um, you know, it just it was a whole it was a whole different. Uh, you know, it's it's fascinating how this all works with these elements. You know, I heard too that um, plastic, for example, uh, there's like a molecule of plastic, uh, and if you change one little one little element on one little atom on it, it becomes margarine. <laughs> you know, so it's it's that close. I know, isn't that crazy? That is that is fascinating, but that's we're that's kind of the way the world works. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's why you don't eat margarine. Margarine's terrible for you, and that's the reason you don't eat it. Yeah, we don't eat it. <laughs> we don't even buy it. Well, it makes sense to me. Well, dangerous stuff. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Yeah. Oh, wait a minute. Okay, I gotta, I gotta get this on the mic. Yes, God. Yes. Okay. Ask him about internal combustion engine and the, the carbon cycle. Okay, got it. All right. Thanks, God. So um, I have to ask you a question. So the, <laughs> we have a lot of fun here on the show. So the question is, and this is something that we talked about uh, a few weeks ago. Wendy's already cracking up. <laughs> she the phone He's like, oh, here he goes again. Uh, so the question, the question from on high uh, is that have you noticed that the Industrial Revolution came along and the, the internal combustion engine uh, was created at a time when the carbon was low in the air, and we're actually reintroducing carbon in the form of carbon dioxide back into the air so the plants can breathe. Uh, I see a connection. I see a direct connection to that. Do you see that, that same connection, or do you find it interesting that when carbon was low, and we need carbon dioxide for the plants to breathe and the plants for us, and then, you know, and then eventually that becomes the products of oil. So there's a carbon cycle, and that we're missing part of the carbon cycle when we don't burn uh, carbon in, in organic fuels and put carbon dioxide back in the air. So we're actually, to me, we're actually killing ourselves by limiting carbon dioxide. It's stupid. But do you see the same thing I do and see the coincidence that at a low time in the carbon cycle, uh, the Industrial Revolution happened, and what do we do? We, we burn, you know, we discovered oil and, and natural gas and coal, and we started burning them, and we actually put carbon back into the air. I don't find that a coincidence. Anyway, that's a question from on high. I find it very fascinating, and here's okay. what I believe what I take away from that. Uh, God does not allow, God didn't create this earth to turn around and let it be destroyed. You know, whatever this earth needs to play out its cycle, Mm -hmm. it's going to play it out. And if God has to put in distillation columns for us to make gasoline, to burn oil, put carbon dioxide back in the atmosphere, I'm all for it. So, so it, it destroys hugging. the whole theory. Yeah, it destroys the whole theory that uh, we have to limit. But I find it fascinating that the, 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 the socialist, Marxist, godless communists, if we can get political here for a second, the one thing they want to do is yeah. limit the, the carbon dioxide. They want to take carbon out of the carbon chain. Carbon is the building block of life. You know, when we talked about carbohydrates, carbon, hydrogen, and oxygen, sure C6, yeah, C6 right. H1206, right? Glucose, right? That's a carbohydrate. It's a sugar. It's the basis of all, of all our bodily fuel to make, to give us the energy to go. And exactly, you know, and, and, and gasoline, I'm not sure the formula of gasoline, but it's got carbon, hydrogen, uh, and then oxygen is introduced into it through the aerosol process, either a carburetor or a fuel injector, and it goes into a cylinder as basically a carbohydrate, carbon, hydrogen, and oxygen, and it's burned in the internal combustion engine. 
I find those two things fascinating. And both, you know, we release carbon dioxide into the air, as does every, every animal. But, uh, but, you know, obviously there wasn't enough carbon dioxide. So the Industrial Revolution comes along. The internal combustion engine comes along. You know, the coal-fired furnace and steam vehicles and everything else that bring oil and natural gas. And now we're replacing carbon in the cycle. And the very thing that creates life itself, you know, is being taken out by the godless communists. I don't find that a coincidence either. I know that's a big question, um, but um, I'd be curious your thoughts. Yeah, but there's too much carbon in the atmosphere for them to ever be successful in that. That's what I believe. They will not. Uh, it's kind of like the Democrats. They can't win. Uh, right. They think they can, but they can't because God has the ultimate say-so over all of them. Yeah. So uh, even though the communists <laughs> want to take carbon out, there's no <laughs> way to successfully take it out because, like you said, it's in so many things. You know, but they can make I our life miserable. We'll go yeah. to buy five cents worth of carbon to it. <laughs> That's a joke, by the way. Carbon gum. Yes, here, go get your Wrigley's carbon gum. <laughs> That's fascinating. Yeah. But, but the problem is that they can make our life miserable in the process. They can convince people that that's carbon right. dioxide is bad. That's and, right. and that's where I see the and problem. And that's the whole point. And that's the difference between Satan and God. You know, Satan seeks to make our life miserable. God seeks to make our life better. Choose ye this day who you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Hmm. And that's why you have that separation there. Hmm. So, um, it's, so it's drive the your same old story here, good yeah. against evil. Yep. So be free, but drive your Ferrari. <laughs> I'm sorry, go ahead, Mike. <laughs> what was that? I said, I've read the end of the book and we win, so it's okay. Oh, there you go. So that makes a difference. Well, and, and this is something, too, that uh, knowing this, uh, I mean, you know, if we can take the guilt out of people, if you want to drive an SUV, drive an SUV. You know, if you want to buy a Ferrari, and that's that's on my list too. You know, after the after the Firebird, actually I have about three or four cars on the list now. It's, it, it keeps improving the longer I do the show. Um, but there's nothing wrong with that. You know, you're not killing the earth. How, how do we convince people Jesus, that this here, is a natural? What was that? Say that again. I said, if Jesus were here, he would drive an excursion. Oh, there you go. Yeah, does it hold twelve? Yep. Okay. That way they could all fit in there and ride together. Yeah, it makes sense. Or like one of those sprinter things, those Mercedes sprinter things. Well, that's a fascinating question. So, enough, <laughs> yeah, it's Jesus and the apostles. Yeah, how can you tell? Well, the, the SUV, it, it kind of glows. Oh, okay, fine. Great, thanks. <laughs> but the point yeah, of this. It's probably got a lot of carbon. Exactly. But the, the, the point, the reason I'm bringing this up is that people don't have to feel guilty for burning you know, organic fuels. Don't, this is not something that's going to destroy the earth. You know, it's actually, I believe it's a necessary part of the carbon cycle that the industrial revolution and the internal combustion engine did come along at a time when we needed to, to sort of accelerate uh, carbon dioxide into the atmosphere. And this was the best way to do it. And besides it advanced, look what happened. We advanced human technology. We advanced manufacture. We brought unparalleled wealth, prosperity, and health to, to, you know, millions and then billions of people. Uh, all through uh, organic fuels. It's really a fascinating look story. Look how it enhanced our lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Petroleum has enhanced our lifestyle tremendously well. Yeah. I don't want carbon-based yeah. fuels to ever go away, ever. Yeah. Unless something came along better that God released into the atmosphere, but uh, or the earth. But man, I love. I mean, I made a good living off petroleum products for you. <laughs> yeah, good for you. You know, and I, you know, back my in my days. liberal days. Say that again? 
I said, well, my niece, she works for Chevron, uh-huh. and uh, she's kind of high up in the company, and uh-huh. uh, she makes her living. I did a lot of my family that make their living off petroleum products. You know, well, she I'm wants to come in. Yeah. Huh. Well, if she wants to come on the show, that'd be fun. I'd love to have a, a, a you know somebody of who knows the current situation with oil, because the myth always is well, we're we're running out. You know, there's no more oil left. It's like yeah, there's gobs of it. Yeah, go ahead, Mike. I'm sorry. Her husband is a uh, chemical engineer for the same company she works for. Hmm. So, um, said this is a big in our family. But she works more in the finance and uh, that side of it and uh, calculating levels and tanks and all that kind of stuff is how she started out. So if anyone would know what our flow is as for petroleum in this country, mm-hmm. I think she would know. Yeah, see, I'd ask her questions. Yeah, like, I'll ask you know, her. Uh, come on the show. Yeah, ask her. Please do. I'd like to know how much, you know, what are the what are the known reserves, and what do they figure the unknown? Because as as I understand the oil the oil business, the oil business, as as George Bush would say, oil business, uh, they only look yeah, about ten business. years. In, oil business, yeah, they only look about ten years in advance. So when they say, well, we've only, they, and then of course the left says, well, there's only ten years worth of oil left. No, they just haven't found the next ten years of, of supply yet. You know, so it's uh, it's out there. It's out there. <laughs> There's a whole bunch. Well, here's a question though too. Do you know anything about uh, oil fields refilling with oil from from deeper in the earth? I've heard that, uh, which led to the theory that the earth actually makes the oil uh, rather than uh, it comes from natural hydrocarbons. You know, below the surface of the earth. I don't know if you know that much about the science of it, but do you know that oil, do, do oil fields? You know, they they empty them and then they come back. You know, five years later and it's full again. Have you heard about that process? I have not heard about that, but that kind of does not make sense to me, and I'll tell you why. Okay. Because the deeper you go into the core of the earth, the hotter it gets. So, and we just know from our process with petroleum products that oil cannot take a lot of heat. So it seems to me like oil is going to bubble up to where it needs to be, and it's not going to go any further until we extract it from the earth. Okay. Now, I could be way off base with that, but that's just what mm-hmm. makes sense to me. Yeah, I think it's no. It makes it actually makes a lot of sense, but it, it, I think it's hard for us to conceive of of uh, this this huge vast amount of oil. You know, we know how much gasoline you know one seven forty seven takes to fly you know coast to coast. And you got four big engines, and there's a lot. You know, how, how can the Earth have that much? Well, the Earth's kind of big, you know, and it goes down fairly deeply. You know, and so you you, you go down a few thousand feet you know, of earth. And you're talking about millions upon millions of cubic miles of, of earth. And within that, you know, is enough to power us. But I see the future because uh, technology is always working. Uh, electric cars make no sense because most of the electricity is generated with the very fuels they're trying to ban oil, coal, and natural gas makes no sense to me. Exactly. Uh, you know, so basically those are, uh, those are what I call fossil electric cars. <laughs> they're fossil fueled electric cars. <laughs> You know, so you're converting you your your oil fields every day. Really, the, all the oil is not even close to being found. They okay. announced just last week or the week before, I can't remember which. Mm-hmm. They found a massive oil deposit off the coast of Israel. Mm. So Israel does have oil. I'm not sure, who will, who will have claim to this oil? But uh, <laughs> how far is it? How far out is it? Uh, I think it was in uh, within like 13 miles. So, okay. Uh, well, they, Israel needs to immediately declare a 200-mile limit. 
like we do for fishing. You know as well as I do, Russia is running out of oil, and they've even said before that they're running out low on oil. And they, I would not put it past Russia to want to go in there and take that oil somehow through war or whatever. Well, uh, you know what? There's there's a couple of options here. One, you know, I always try and find the, the, the option no one's thought of. We have a lot of great oil scientists and technicians here. Uh, Russia could pay us uh, some ridiculous amount of money, and we would find oil in Russia that they haven't found. You know, Siberia's big, you know, and the snow is, like, deep. <laughs> so uh, I don't think well, anybody really knows. Russia's something like fracking, you know, because there's, there's more ways to get oil now that we've learned the process of fracking. I don't understand all about fracking mm-hmm. that I know, but I do know that it's another process and a step of this whole chain of petroleum uh, and extracting. I have a friend that owns land in Wyoming, and they mm-hmm. frack on her property. And uh, it's another way to extract oil. Can you so, explain yeah, fracking? Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Well, I don't really understand the whole process of fracking. Well, well I know fracking is done on an angle okay. somehow. It's not straight down. but And it allows uh, companies to extract oil in areas that they normally could not extract it. Okay. And it's it's just fascinating to me. Every day we come up with better processes. And I, I just don't believe that not in our lifetime we will not run out of oil. I don't believe that. No, I don't think for several lifetimes, apparently, from what they were they're saying. But I think uh, the rate at which technology advances, we will have hydrogen fuel cells. We'll have, you know, nuclear cars. <laughs> you know, we'll have something. You know, we'll dilithium well, crystals. Know, hydrogen from... fuel cells are awesome. And then to me, you know I don't think they're any more dangerous than burning gasoline. Uh, I had a guy call me one time wanted me to work on an engine that was powered by hydrogen. And I told him, I said, buddy, I would love to see this engine. But I have no idea what I'm doing on this. <laughs> so I did, I never did work on it. But uh, well, how you does, know, the byproduct of a hydrogen-powered car is water. That's your byproduct. Yeah. yeah. So, man, that would be cool as grits to have a hydrogen-powered car. Well, there's a fuel and cell. I think it's like a – go ahead. I'm sorry, Mike. Well, they actually have hydrogen-powered cars now. I just saw the other day where uh, there's a company that has introduced the first hydrogen-powered car. Huh. Uh, I'll have to look into that. Uh, yeah, look that up, man. I think you'll find that interesting because uh, I would love to drive around a hydrogen power car, and the octane rating on that has got to be through the roof. <laughs> well, it wouldn't be octane because it wouldn't. It would still have the carbon, though, right? It still it still be a hydrocarbon. Yeah, well, I'm just saying in comparative terms, what we know is octane is what powers uh, gives us the better gas. When I was a kid, we always wanted to go buy Amoco white gas because the octane rating was higher. And well, then for higher we compression could, my engine. dad was a pilot. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, internal combustion engine. Uh, and if we could, we'd get my dad to go to the airport because he was a pilot and he could buy aviation fuel. Uh-oh. And uh, we'd get some aviation fuel and put it in our race boats. I'm sure you did. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, we actually, mixed it uh... with benzene on top of that. Uh-huh. We mixed aviation fuel and benzene. If you ever got behind another racer with that kind of mix, it puts you to sleep smelling the fumes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
the things I find out on this show, it's fascinating. This is, well, and actually they used uh, World War II engines, unfortunately, like Mustang engines, you know, P-51 engines, and they would put them in, the, in speedboats. You know, I'm thinking that's a waste. You should have left it in the Mustang, but that's just me. Um, but uh, this experimenting with fuels, people don't even do that anymore. They're afraid, you know, the, 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 the chemical, the, 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 the kids, you know, today, if it's not online, if it's not uh, on their phone, they, they don't do stuff anymore. They just watch stuff. We've become a very passive know, that uh, country. So yeah, they don't tinker, you know. Yeah. That's why I don't have Facebook anymore. I got tired. I find myself spending too much time on Facebook. You know, well, if you even though I I'm use in a wheelchair it. And, and, oh. Huh? Yeah, so, well, you can. You you have a platform to use it. Right. I had no platform. I was just sitting there playing on Facebook all day. And you can even start a group. A wheelchair, yeah, you can set a wheelchair group. Put a motor on it. Mike? Yeah, well, put, I've put, got a mud rock. Well, now I'm just no, trying I mean to a figure real mud. I want a, I want a turbocharged <laughs> wheelchair. Yeah. Do do they have wheelchair races, by the way? I'm serious. Do they have wheelchair races? Sure, there are. Ooh. There's all kind of guys that do all kinds motorized of motorized wheelchair. Wheel- I watched that- the other day. Okay. Jump a wheelchair on a ramp, and he probably went. Uh, just guess, I would say a hundred foot in the air. I've never. He came down this ramp. He was probably doing. 70 miles an hour on a wheelchair, wheelchair and did a oh flip. This is great. I got to get the videos. The I'm looking at, I have to look up wheelchair videos. See, I think you should be part of it's a wheelchair cool. racing group. Well, if I didn't stay so darn dizzy all the time, I would. But uh, Get a good I'm autopilot. Get, get some gyro stabilizers, Mike. We're going to get you quite a wheelchair. We'll get some gyro stabilizers. <laughs> we'll, we'll get it. We'll get it weighted properly. We'll have some spoilers on the front and the back. Wendy's laughing right now. She's she's, she's trying to visualize this whole thing that I'm creating for you. So we'll get you the turbo wheelchair. You'll be strapped in. You'll have uh, you know an appropriate engine, <laughs> you know, uh, with benzene and fumes <laughs> that put the other drivers to sleep as you go racing and, and your wheelchair race. And I'll be. You have it like a joystick. You'll have a. You have a throttle in one hand, and you have the uh, the steering wheel in the other hand. It'd be left and right, and off you go. You'd have uh, right the right side would be forward and back. What's that? <laughs> Got to have slates on it. What are those? Racing slates. Oh yeah. Racing slates. And you got, yep, and you got to have Action Radio bumper stickers. You know, because all the race cars have their sponsors. <laughs> Okay. Wow, people won't be able to see it. I'll be going by so fast. No, this sticker will be so big. Trust me, they'll see it. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, we, uh, we had we briefly had a, a racing couple, and they they kind of disappeared from the show. But we were talking about just that having Action Radio, uh, you know, sponsor stickers on these race cars. Wouldn't that be fun? We, I got wow. plans. I have amazing plans for this uh, this whole operation. Well, listen, Mike. Thank you very much. It's been great to have you. Do you have any any closing thoughts or anything else you want to? Uh, to leave us with, uh, like when you're going to start your wheelchair racing group or, or something like that? It's been, this well, has when been I fun. start that, I'll be sure and let you know so you can advertise it on Facebook. But my, my thing is just people go with God. You know, you will never go wrong going with God. Well, it's certainly working for me, <laughs> you know, this, this whole show. As, <laughs> as people say, no, you hear the expression, you know, let go and let God, or in my case, completely let go and just hang on. <laughs> and, and, and we are where we are. It's fascinating. All right, sir. Thank you very much. And, and thank Wendy, too. And uh, Wendy, if you're right there, you want to give your contact information. I think we, we missed that uh, the, the, um, at the end of we put Mike on so quickly. Here she comes. Okay. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you, you having him on because, you know, he, he's a wealth of knowledge in, in so many areas, and he's, he's my blessing. So thank you. Aw. 
That sounds good. That's wonderful. So what's your contact information? What's your websites and Facebook page and stuff? Uh, you can again? get a hold of me on Wendy Arthur um, or Art by Wendy Arthur or Dimensions Ministries on Facebook. Sounds good. See, I never remember these things. That's why I have to call everybody back on. All right, you two, take care. Have a great day. I'm going to play some stuff, and we will be right back in just a bit with all kinds of goodies for you. Here at Action Radio, we are looking for sponsors. We have 30 and 60 second spots available for your announcements, and we have three-minute live call-ins to talk about your products and services available. Action Radio is the next evolution beyond talk radio. Join us and let us help your business evolve. Think about being a sponsor of the future and not just a listener and help us help your business grow as you help us plunge headlong into breaking new ground here on Action Radio every day. Greg Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly. Few try. Even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. My book is designed to help you navigate the flight training system, but it's so much more than that. It really describes an entirely new way to teach flying. So if you've never tried a lesson or got discouraged in your training and quit for any reason, this book can help you. Don't be a rope pilot who just follows procedures. Be a thinking pilot who makes great decisions, who understands all the reasons why we do what we do. You can incorporate these principles into your own flight training at any time. The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction is featured on the Action Radio with Greg Pankless Facebook page and is available from Amazon.com. Do you know your way around healthcare, insurance, pharmacies, surgery, alternative treatments and choices? I don't. Which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans, had her on Action Radio, and learned about health patient advocacy. She is the founder of Great Care. And now as an affiliate of Great Care, we are proud to offer through our discount code, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws, a 10% discount. Great Care saves you both time and money. They provide medical advocacy, consultation, advice, and recommendations nationwide. Their website is greatcare.com. That's G-R-A-I-T-H-Care.com. You can email them at greatcare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. Great Care, better health through better knowledge and advocacy. Action Radio, part of the ADHD Radio Network, the ultimate free speech zone. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed and have the power through juries to nullify the laws by which we do not consent to be governed. At Action Radio, we don't report the news. We are the news. Every other show reports what has happened. We talk about what can happen. From the questions no one has thought to ask, to the answers no one has thought to consider, to the actions no one has dared to take, that is Action Radio. 
Okay, we're back. We've got uh, the whole rest of the show. We're open, and I do have uh, a lot of live chat uh, things to go through, and then I'll get to uh, my impressions of, of Trump last night. But let's uh, let's take this from uh, if y'all go to if you're lis- if you're listening live, you can uh, go to the broadcast page and see uh, live chat has Calman four zero seven seven with a bunch of messages, which I promised to get through. Um, yeah. Once we get our, ourselves a producer, a call screener person, this, these things will be answered immediately. Um, but uh, at this time, it's, it's me. You know, I'm the guy pushing the buttons, doing the talking, you know, uh, producing all this stuff. And, uh, and, of course, this is why I have a whole bunch of guests on because you don't want to listen to me the whole time. That gets boring. So I've got um, – this is uh, – first one is, hi, bud, a registered Republican when I'm a moderate. Uh, that makes sense because Republicans to me are very moderate. My, my problem with their party is I don't like parties. I don't like belonging to a party. I resent the fact that I have to register for any party at all um, to, to vote in any, any election. But primaries are a party. And the fact that we – but I also believe that primaries should stay party. You can't an open primary because that's a general election, and that defeats the purpose of having a primary, which is so the parties can pick their candidates. I just don't like the parties that, having two dominant parties that pick all the candidates for me. I'd rather that everybody was independent. What have we got here? Two parties are not very productive and how polarized the legislative branch is. Um, they're not really polarized because we talked about this with Brianna Cannon a week ago Tuesday that in the political spectrum, the Republicans and Democrats off, you know, occupy a very narrow band uh, of socialism. If you had uh, totalitarian, imagine a, a, a foot-long ruler, for those of you that still remember, have, you know, manual measuring devices. You know, if totalitarianism, totalitarianism, start again, totalitarianism is on the left at 12 inches on the ruler, and anarchy is on the right at zero, and that's government. So that'd be total government at 12, no government at zero. Uh, the Republicans and Democrats, Democrats would be about, I don't know, 10. Republicans would be about nine. <laughs> you know, so they occupy quite a narrow band. Centrists would be at six. You know, the Founding Fathers would be at uh, four. Libertarians would be either side of that. The anarchists would be at zero. Uh, and so the, the, the uh, socialists, communists, uh, Nazis, fascists, you know, all the different isms, um, of dictatorship would be way up there between 11 and 12, uh, depending on, on minor factors. And I'm not sure what they would be. I don't see much difference between them. Socialism would be less, uh, although socialism can result in millions of deaths. It's, it's usually by misery, not by Holocaust. So that, that was where I would put socialism a little, uh, you know, more in the, the 11 side as opposed to uh, communism, Nazism, fascism, which I put right there at 12. Uh, it doesn't get much worse. You know, maybe, maybe Genghis Khan, you know, and the Mongols, you know, slaughtering entire uh, civilizations. That would be 12. So let's put uh, the others at like 11 and three quarters, you know, because it's, it's a similar kind of thing. Anyway, so that's, that's how I feel about the, the, the difference with the parties. Two parties are not very – okay, we read that one. Interesting number on voter turnout with the Christian vote. Yeah, I, I'm not sure I believe that either. It's hard to believe anything. And like, yay, Wendy. <laughs> Wendy awesome. Wendy is amazing. Uh, you look at all the people on the show. They're all fascinating individuals. That's why they're on the show. You know, I'm not going to put people on that, that aren't interesting people. And we have younger, we have older. We, age range here is 16 to 75 uh, in terms of my uh, regular and my, my guest reporters. And so, uh, you know, we have every, you know, we actually have diversity. And it wasn't intentional. I just, I just wanted interesting people to come on the show. But it is interesting that we have, you know, every race, religion, pretty much. I don't think we have Buddhists yet, but that's, it's only a matter of time. We'll get the Asian countries calling in. And once they discover the Skype line. And so that's going to improve that, too. Uh, so they really do have a feeling some votes are not legitimate. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's always the same places, too. So here's my theory. So the House was stolen in 2018 by overturning after the election, after the results were announced that Republicans had won, you know, six to eight seats 
in California, New Mexico, and Arizona, you know, battleground places. The, the, the Democrats overturned and say, oh, we found votes. You know, we found a Jeep had some extra votes in it. You know, yeah, right. Uh, that's a fraud. And so they, they, and as soon as the Democrat was ahead by even a slight amount, oh, election's over. We got the right result now. And so they, put, they replaced Republicans with Democrats illegally, and that gave the Democrats control of the House, and that's where all the impeachments came from. So 2018 was the forerunner of 2020. So 2020, not only did they steal the Congress, they actually stole the presidency. And so we do not have a legitimate legal uh, president in the White House. We have an occupant, we have a resident, but we don't have a president. Big difference. And so with an illegal government, that means everything that the administration does is illegal. Every action taken by the executive agencies is illegal. Everybody that's serving in the cabinet and all the way down through the entire administration that is an appointed position is there illegally. Okay, so that's where we stand right now. So they are becoming more uh, prevalent and no one is getting caught. No, they're getting caught. They're just not being prosecuted. See, the, so the only way that the Democrats could steal the election when everybody knows how they're doing it is that the Republicans don't care because they're the losers. So this is why this is a nonpartisan show. I, I despise both Democrats and Republicans much equally, <laughs> but for different reasons. Uh, the Democrats, because they're Marxists and they're trying to destroy this country, and the Republicans, because they surrender. They're the gelding old party. And look, if you don't know what gelding is, look it up. Uh, would absolutely love a DeSantis Gabbard ticket. I would too. That'd be interesting. Um, you know, and, but uh, I, would, I, I don't care what the tickets are. I mean, there's many people that want to run, run. I just don't want parties. So if DeSantis and Gabbard want to get together, great. That would be fascinating. Uh, I, I think, uh, first of all, they're both military, so they do have a lot in common. That might make for a very interesting uh, election to do that. Uh, what else we got here now? Uh, I love the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, et cetera, decade association. Yeah, I, I don't know exactly what I was talking about then, but uh, I'll try it. In fact, I think I may have. Let me just, uh, let me just do my, my quick uh, phone check here. Because, again, it's just I mean, once we get call screeners, I won't have to worry about this. I think I recognize that number, but let me just double check here as I'm scrolling madly away talking at the same time, which is not easy um, to do. One day I'm going to say something really horrendous while I'm doing something else at the time. Uh, I, think, I think I know who this is, so let's, let's bring on our caller here. Hey, you're on the air with uh, me. <laughs> what, what, is, is this my, is this my uh, live chat person? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you fine. Yeah. First name? So let's, let's get who, who you are here. What is it again? Yeah, it's John Manfredo. Uh, no, you got to speak a little. Did you say John? I, I barely heard you. No, this is uh, Calvin. 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 Okay, there we go. That's good. Okay. So now I know. I'll, I'll put that on my thing. Yeah, welcome to the show. You made a lot of interesting comments. So, um, so what, were you, what was I talking Well, let's talk about DeSantis and Gabbard. That's a rather interesting ticket. What, uh, what, what, what sparked you to do that one? Yeah, Tulsi Gabbard. Um, Democrat from Hawaii, she uh, renounced being a Democrat, and she went campaigning for uh, some of the Republicans mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to, you know, the midterm. And the thing about why I like Tulsi Gabbard and why I think a DeSantis Gabbard ticket would be an excellent choice. Uh-huh. You can probably hear the bells. Sorry. Well, Sorry. I was just, just going to say, we got um, wind chimes in the background. Are you trying to add an angelic quality to your call? <laughs> <laughs> I guess maybe that's the term, yeah, you know. Um, okay. Oh, she fine. was the only congressional candidate or uh, congresswoman who uh, went to Syria when it came to um, Bashir al-Assad and Syria for the most part and uh, uh-huh. trying to figure out who the rebels were. You know, we were supplying the rebels when it came to ISIS, you know. Yeah, and do you know where they're supplying them through? We talked about where they were supplying them through. Do you know where the arms went through to ISIS? In Syria? 
What was it, what was one of the stopover points? Well, there there were a lot of uh, I guess you could say blank drops. You know, uh-huh. putting munitions on the ground. Hopefully, someone along the lines is going to fight. You know what I mean? Um, no, the term is Benghazi. Trump's <laughs> went through Benghazi. Yeah, I know, right? That yeah, you can say it on the show. I need you to move away from the wind chimes though, because it's distracting, and your 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 voice, yeah, and your yeah, phone yeah, is yeah. not that strong. So, uh, uh, so, if you can walk somewhere else and still maintain, you know, being on the show, that would be great. Yeah, can he's walking. Me? Yeah, I can hear you fine. Sounds like a barrel what you're talking in, but that's okay. I'd rather have a barrel than the uh, the other noise. So, what so what would you think of a Trump uh, Gabbard ticket? Well. I really do like Trump. I'm not going to lie. In fact, a lot of the policies that Biden is, quite a few of the policies, when it comes to foreign policy, Biden is actually doing what Trump's doing, except he went a little bit farther. Boycotting um, mm. uh, semiconductors from China and stuff like that. But, yeah. you know, the southern border is one thing. You know, that is not secure. Everyone who says it's secure is just lying to your face. Um, well, no, we know that, but it is, but let's but let's talk about the Republicans. The Republicans despise Trump, and there's there's two there's two Republican parties. There's the House Freedom Caucus, you know, the America Firsters. Well, maybe three, uh, and then they sort of combine. And then you've got the Rhino Democrats. So Mitch McConnell and Chuck Schumer are basically the same party. You know, they're they're party people, and I I despise parties. I don't want parties in politics. Career politicians. Yep. That's the thing. Career politicians. You know. Mm-hmm. And um, when it comes, but wouldn't that be fascinating? Wouldn't it be fascinating if Tulsi Gabbard and uh, Donald Trump together on the same ticket? I think that would be a brilliant move. I think that would be an excellent ticket, too. I'm not going to lie. I mean, DeSantis is quite a bit like Trump for the most part. Uh-huh. Trump is a bit, you know, DeSantis really is a governor. You know, he's, he's doing an excellent job. But he's an administrator. Um, I don't. I, well, let me ask you this question. I see him as an administrator, not necessarily a visionary. I see Trump as a visionary. He knows what America, what it takes to get us to be America first and American prosperity. That's the difference between a president and a governor. So I think DeSantis is an excellent governor. I think he would be a good president, but I don't think he would be a visionary. And what we need now is a visionary. What do you think? True, true. But um, I agree with the visionary concept, but I think there needs to be a unifying factor. Um, okay. The idea of, like, Mitch McConnell turning down, you know, um, campaign funds when it came to uh, Arizona. Oh, what's his name? Try to go for Senate. I don't know. He lost millions in funding um, for his campaign simply because Mitch McConnell said, he's not going to vote for me for, you know, uh, House Whip, so I'm not going to do that, you know, or House Majority Leader. So he funded Well, that cost. That cost. Now, are you truly trying to sabotage your whole party simply because of personal politics? That really has me going. Not looking for the goal. That's selfish. That is so unbelievably selfish of Mitch McConnell. Well, let's, let's, let's concentrate. He's old news. I don't want to talk about him too much. I'd really. Did you see Trump's speech last night? Did you watch him announce for president? No, but I do actually plan on watching it shortly. Okay, yeah, to, it, uh, it's fascinating. I watched it um, because, well, I kind of have to. <laughs> I'm, I'm the host here. I'm supposed to watch these things. But the main point is I was curious to uh, see. My perception is that he was more serious than I think I've ever seen him. 
he's also driven and he's really upset with uh, not just the Democrats and not just Brandon for screwing up our country, but the Republicans for letting him do it. And I think he sees, as I see, that the Republicans are the surrender party, that they don't care, that they'd rather occupy their privileged position as losers, as second-class citizens in Congress, but still maintain their, their, their perks uh, rather than lead the country and make this better for everybody. You know, Mitch McConnell's a perfect example. But uh, if you watch Trump's speech, he made a bunch of different comments uh, that uh, he made the usual ones, he, you know, the nation decline. So have you seen any Trump rallies where he, uh, you get the music at the end of his rally and he talks about the nation being in decline? Have you heard that? It's really powerful. Well, recently, no. Um, I, for the most part, have been paying attention mostly to Ukraine. You know, I, I heard one thing that my friend, that me and him talked quite a bit about, like stocks, you know, investing, et cetera. Um, uh-huh. He watched the Trump speech yesterday, and he told me, you know, that missile that went down in Poland right on the border and everything, you know, killed two people. And what really has me going, if it was truly a stray missile, that's 400 kilometers that that missile has to, just hit it's not a stray missile. There are hit. no stray missiles. No, there are no stray missiles anymore. No, it didn't, unless somebody, exactly. unless a stray exactly. officer fired it, unless a rogue officer fired it, which is possible. But if it was, if it was under normal from, military discipline and military orders, those missile missile technology these days is so good. You know, especially our smart missiles. You know, the, or our guided missiles, or laser guided, or things like that. They they hit within like two feet <laughs> where they're supposed to hit, and they can be launched. You know, fifteen hundred miles. That's away. true. You know, so it's, um, uh, yeah, GPS. What it looks like through intelligence, though, it was an S-300 missile, which is a SAM missile, surface-to-air missile. But the fact oh, that it actually killed somebody, you know, killed somebody within the borders has me going, is this another M- uh, MH370 missile? Okay. What's do you, that? Do you remember MH370 in Ukraine back in 2016? No. That, um, that passenger jet that got shot down over Ukraine. Everyone was hooting hollering. Oh, okay. That's it. But oh, what, what, it was the MH3. Down. What airline was that? That was... Um, it was a Malaysian. Was you know what I mean? I thought it was Iranian. It was a Malaysian. Um, it was a Malaysian jet? I thought it was an Iranian jet. No, no, no. no, jet no it was Malaysian. It was Malaysian. Okay. Isn't that interesting? They lost two jets. No, One, two they lost, uh, there were two Malaysian jets that literally went down that were highly controversial. One was yeah. um, over Cambodia or something like that. The well, there was one that there, there was one that was in the Indian Ocean. There was one that disappeared that, that hit the ocean, and there was another one that I guess it was a Malaysian jet was shot down. Somebody ordered it. They thought it was um, an attacking bomber or something like that, and they shot it down. Yeah, um, and that was the MH. Either it was three seventy or MH seventeen. I mean, I could look it up right now. Yeah, it's okay. No, don't worry about but, it. Yeah. Um, but the point is what, that what uh, it was that. Yeah, is this uh-huh. a pretext? Whether Russia actually hit the territory, or it might have been a mislaunched missile, or it could be a false flag incident derived Article 5 for NATO, where attack on one is attack on all. Yeah, but Ukraine's not in NATO. I do have to look at Article 4. (laughs) Is Poland in NATO? Yeah, I know. Like, oh my gosh. Well, here's the problem. We had a philosophy, yeah, yeah. we talked about this on the show here, where, where I was thinking that the best plan would have been to, uh, for the U.S. to get out of NATO. We should have gotten out when the Soviet Union collapsed, because that's when NATO didn't have a purpose anymore. And we should have left and let Europe to, you know, defend themselves. And this should be an Eastern European problem. 
In other words, from Poland to Romania, you know, down there in the Baltics, in the Baltic countries, Serbia, Croatia, things like that. So that whole Eastern Bloc, Czech Republic, Slovakia, uh, Romania, Bulgaria, Hungary, Moldova, all those Eastern European countries and Ukraine and Belarus, which is associated with Russia. This is the, the Ukraine-Russian situation is a regional conflict between Eastern Europe you know, and Russia, the former Soviet bloc, the Warsaw Pact. So just to give folks a little history here, uh, what Churchill described as the Iron Curtain was a, was a line that divided east from west, and it went through uh, Berlin because <laughs> he had East Germany. Then he had this little carve-out for West Berlin. I actually went there um, when the wall was up. I went across Checkpoint Charlie, across the Berlin Wall. So I'm very familiar with this area. Uh, I met an Army officer, and I got to see the full the gap, you know, the, where the tanks are going to come through. So I got to see that as well. So I'm pretty knowledgeable in this, in the, in this whole thing. Um, and it was fascinating to, to see this, that, uh, yeah, the tanks came through, the full the gap. It's just this wide open area where they could just roll on through. Um, but the thing is that Western, mm-hmm. the, the Eastern Europe, it's an Eastern European problem. We should have contained it to that. There was no reason for us to donate money. I would have forced them to the bargaining table. And people, if they look at a map of Crimea, Crimea is attached to, to Russia. And the reason they went there is because it's, it's a natural, there's a bridge, you know, between Russia and Crimea. Well, so the, Crimea is attached to Ukraine. It is essentially what is attached to Ukraine. But the, what Russia also, really wanted out of Ukraine, or uh, Crimea, was Devonspol, which is a naval port, which is actually right. on a 99-year lease to Russia. And it's mm-hmm. Russia's only naval port of military capacity in the Black Sea. Okay. So Let me take a look at my globe here. Let me get my globe out. Yeah, well. So I have a world map because I don't remember everything perfectly. Oh, by the way, it was MH17 that got shot down over Ukraine, not 370. Okay. 370 was the Indian Ocean one. So there's the Black Sea, there's Ukraine, there's Romania, there's Crimea. And, of course, the Black Sea has to go through Istanbul, uh, which used to be Constantinople, that little choke point there. So not only does Russia need that, they also have to get through Turkey. And from Turkey, they can get to the Mediterranean. From the Mediterranean, they can go to the Suez, to the Red Sea, out to the Indian Ocean. Or they can go out the Mediterranean on the other side through uh, the Straits of Gibraltar and get to the Atlantic. So it's, uh, there's a lot of – so from, from Ukraine to the open ocean is quite a distance. It's a long way. So, uh, you know, for Russia, that's pretty much it. <clears throat> they can't go north because it's frozen, and they can't go – they don't have a whole lot uh, on, the east, on the western side. You know, uh, unless you go off Kamchatka or some of these other places here, and you've got Japan right there, too. Uh, it's amazing how close Japan is to Russia. You can see where they're at war. <laughs> so it's, it's quite fascinating. In fact, the northern island of Japan is, is almost touching. It looks like it's touching Russia. So everybody should look at a world map periodically, and you'll see things that you don't see before. Anyway, so let me put it back. So the point being that Russia, uh, that it's, it's a natural dispute, but that's up to them. They need to settle it. You know, and they, they, we, don't need, we don't need to be in the middle of that battle. We just don't. You know, territory is one thing. I believe yeah. Zelensky needs to at least come to the table to talk, figure out a solution, not not mm-hmm. instantly be diehard. Um, right. If you look at the voting patterns of Ukraine prior to uh, the 2014 Maidan re- revolution, um, the people that voted for uh, not Petro Poroshenko, but Wow, shoot, I forget his name. Um, but if you look at the voting patterns, mm-hmm. you can see that the Russian proxy president, which was overthrown in 2014 in the Maidan Revolution, um, those regions in Maripol, um, across the river, Kherson, mm-hmm. um, Donbass, Lugansk, et cetera, voted right. for the Russian proxy president. 
Mm-hmm. And those regions on the other side of the Dnieper River were highly sort of cons- coinciding with Russia versus the other side of the river was coinciding with um, Petro Poroshenko and um, NATO and European interests. So as Russia has taken over essentially the southeastern part of the country, okay, mm-hmm. the north, northeastern is still highly contested, lots of warfare, et cetera. Right. The southeastern part of the country is essentially under Russian control. Those people prior to the Maidan revolution voted for the Russian guy. So it shows their natural interest to sort of secede from them. But I think the main concern that those people have is they don't have autonomy. Huh. Russia came in, put in proxy governors, put in proxy, you know, administrators into the region, and no one got to vote for them. They said they got, they said they voted for autonomy, but no one got to vote for their. Well, see, let's talk to you, you know, let's talk to Ukraine for a minute. Yeah, let's talk to Ukraine for a minute because people, this is just how I see Ukraine. Uh, Ukraine and the, the, the Dnieper or the Dnieper River, whatever it is. So Ukraine's divided right in the middle by a river. That river runs through Kiev. And I still call it Kiev. I don't care what Brandon calls it. Uh, on the western Geography side. nation. It does, yeah. On the western side, you've got Russia, which used to be the Soviet Union, which controlled not only Ukraine, but all of Eastern Europe under the Warsaw Pact. Uh, and Russians were, were treated the Ukrainians horribly. Starved them to death, millions died. I mean, it's, it's awful treatment. However, the western yep. part of, of Ukraine, you know, Ukraine is still alive with Russia because they can't stand the equally bad treatment from the eastern Ukrainians, you know, who are associated with Nazi Germany and they had the Azov Brigade. So you've got Nazis to the left, communists to the right. It's a left-on-left battle. The, it, Ukraine is not a free country. It does not have a free press. Uh, the flag is blue and yellow for the sky and the wheat. They are a breadbasket. They are a country that produces an amazing amount of food. But being, uh, you know, being a, not a free country, you know, who knows how much the production is and everything else. That's a different story. But the point is you've got a split nation. You've got uh, Russian allegiance on the, on the western side, and you've got uh, you know, European or, shall we say, German allegiance on the right-hand side, and they all meet in the middle in Kiev. <laughs> you know, and, it's, uh, and then the, whoever controls it, are they a Russian proxy or are they an American-European proxy? It doesn't matter. It, we, neither one should be there, and we shouldn't be fighting. What should have happened is that nobody, the, the West should have left Ukraine alone, and because Russia is so much more powerful, would have forced them to the bargaining table to negotiate a peace. They're still going to have to do that, but in the meantime, you know, until thousands of people are going to die simply because the Western powers want a permanent war, you know, because it makes money. Uh, the Ukraines are a money laundering bank. We talked about that yesterday for over an hour, how the Ukraine is a money laundering point for the Democrat Party. That's why they're doing this. You know, so they're using these people and using this country. I highly agree with that. Yeah, I listen to our show yesterday. Funny yeah, go with ahead. Burisma and everything with Hunter mm-hmm. Biden, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And then you um, see this FTX, which is similar, which is. We uh, talked about that. Yep. Um, That's what we talked about. Exactly. Yeah, for, for, you know. with FTX, listen to yesterday. Yeah. Lots of money laundering. Mm-hmm. I mean, $650 million went missing overnight through a hack. And everyone's still mm. talking about, oh, we need to, we need to, you know, talk about putting this guy in jail and everything. Well, what are we, what's happening with the $650 million, you know, hunt? What's happening with that? And who controls the government right Nothing. now? You're not hearing who anything. Controls, who controls the one, SEC? One who controls article. the election commission? <laughs> See, the thing is, 
you, this is why parties should not control uh, government bureaucracies, especially judicial ones or, or justice ones, because I think the attorney general should be in an elected position. Okay, because you've got the SEC controlled by Brandon and, and, and the Marxists. You've got the uh, the uh, FBI controlled by Brandon and the Marxists. You've got uh, all the people that would account for this. You've got you had Congress under Democrat control. They're not going to investigate this. Even if the House does investigate it now, the Senate's not going to let anything go forward. So the, you've got uh, the, the, the government stacked against it. You look at Ukraine. It, it struck me very uh, uh, strangely that Ukraine kept coming up. And why was the president being impeached over Ukraine? And I'm thinking, why, don't, why aren't we supposed to look into Ukraine? And Vindeman, you know, who's Ukrainian, who's an American, either colonel or general, you know, who could, was asked to be secretary of defense, that showed up. Burisma, guess what Burisma is? Ukraine. Biden family, oh, there they are again. Biolabs, where are they? Ukraine. Isn't this interesting? You know, where's all the money going? Ukraine. You know, Brandon before the Council of Formulations saying, if you don't stop investigating my kid, you're not going to get your billion dollars. You know, he's there before the Council of Foreign Relations. I thought that was interesting, too. Nobody commented yeah. on, on where he was, not so much what he was. Biolabs, everything else. Ukraine. Why does Ukraine keep popping up every single time with all these crises? Money laundering now on a massive scale. And the Democrats outspent the Republicans in the midterms. Where did the money come from? Well, it was laundered through. Guess where? Ukraine, the country that keeps coming up over and over and over again. What do you think? Then I'll get to Josie. Oh, man, you just left me speechless. <laughs> um, the fact you're hitting... I'm just connecting the points. dots. I'm just really connecting the dots. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, I knew a lot about this prior to it, okay. but, you know, I really, I focused on the military. Hi, this is Woody. Economic aspect I have a huge heart on right now, and I was wondering if you would... Oh, I thought that was a different caller. How did that happen? I muted both my callers. I want to apologize for, for that. I thought it was a different caller, um, but apparently not. So somebody called in with an obscene call. Now, let me see. I'm just going to... Well, he can... Shows better wording. Enjoying the conversation. Yeah, I thought I recognized the area code, but apparently not. So we're going to have to... Uh... Yeah, that was that was weird. <laughs> you know, like I say, I, I memorized most of my regular callers, but every once in a while, someone sneaks through with a... A similar but different number. So we're going to have to mark that one. See, I record every call that comes in here. Uh, I have everybody's number. And so I know who's called and who hasn't called. Yeah. Well, then um, that's exactly why I do it. So, yep. So we're going to mark that call. Uh, so the, that person's still listening. So the person that did the obscene call, you're never going to get on the air again. <laughs> so, uh, in fact, I'm going to start checking this uh, this particular one for a while. So obviously somebody doesn't want us chatting away. That's their problem. So let me just, uh, I'll just mark for them. We'll, we'll, I'll record that a little bit later. All right, let's get back to uh, who I thought it was. <laughs> you know, oh, they've left. So, yep. Yeah, see, this is why I recorded it before they left, so I, I got a chance to uh, log it in. I don't know why people do that. I don't know what they think they're accomplishing, you know, doing that. It's um, it's kind of crazy, but it means I have to screen my calls better. Back you know, back, um, to, uh, uh-huh, back, back in the Middle Ages, back in the Middle Ages, um, yeah. punishment for people was um, they didn't have jails you know, they had some debtor prison and stuff like that. But um, one big thing that they did is they put people in stocks because humiliation was very demeaning for somebody because everyone lived so much on their reputation. So what I think is the fact we were talking about sensitive information. A lot of this stuff is actually very sensitive. You know, it's, it's stuff that people sit there and they're not supposed to talk openly and freely about. Mm-hmm. Saboturing 
I guess you could say, is kind yeah. of what I'm getting at. Because yeah. it adds that sense of humiliation, you know. Oh, we got on the air for a split second, blah, blah, blah. said what he said. So he said what he said, and that's that's it. No. I mean, if you know, and I don't mind taking disagreements. So if everybody thinks that you have to agree with me, you do not have to agree with me on this show. That is not a criteria for being on. Uh, being civil is, <laughs> you know, that 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 is a requirement. Let me see if. Uh, so. Yeah, I didn't, okay. This is a new obscene caller. I haven't had that one uh, on the air before. I've got a I've got a growing list now, you know, people. But uh, it's really too bad because. You know, I don't, I don't mind engaging folks. All right, let's get back to uh, what we're talking about here with, with Ukraine and the fact that this, this uh, keeps coming up over and over and over again. It, uh, it strikes me as very interesting um, that to this one country, you know, so the, the question is how far back does the involvement go? How long has it been the Democrat piggy bank? How long has it been um, this kind of problem? You know, so I'm just curious. No, that's a very good question. You know, yeah. when you really think about it, that's a very good question because mm. – even prior to that, there was, I believe her name was like Teveshenka or something like that. You know, she was. Oh, Tereshenko. Um, yeah, there was a Tereshenko. I think it was not, not, not Petro Poroshenko, but. Oh, okay. Oh, shoot. I can look her up here in just a second. Um, uh-huh. But was she? she got in trouble. Um, she was running to become president of Ukraine back 2010, something like that. She had, uh-huh. like, the Princess Leia haircut, you know, where <laughs> yeah. she had, like, the, cinnamon the, buns. the yeah. long ponytail yeah. and the braid around the top of the head. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but she got in huge trouble because of corruption charges. Um, so it makes me go, when did this corruption really start, you know? I yeah. think Victoria Newland had a very strong portion to play when it came to um, the Maidan Revolution. And it's funny enough that Biden becomes president. She's the new ambassador to the EU or How about the that? UN, one of the two. Well, see, this is the problem. This is you know, this comes to globalists too, and and Klaus Schwab. I was thinking about the fact, and I'm gonna get back to Trump here in a little bit. And we got about 46 of my minutes left here, um, but it, it's interesting that uh, Germany. I was just thinking about that. They don't have a good record <laughs> with people, you know, from uh, uh, from from Bismarck to Kaiser to to Hitler to Marx to uh, you know Klaus Schwab. You know, the, 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 every every so often you get some some you know German, French too. You got Napoleon. You got other folks. I'm not just picking on the Germans, but uh, just Germany in particular. It's interesting from Karl Marx to Klaus Schwab. You know, it's not a good record of people that want to run the world. It's just not all coming out of one country. So, uh, you know, but uh, it's fascinating how the way this is going. But the globalists are trying to tie this in. This, this last, this midterm, this was a globalist election. You've got Republicans suck up globalists. Uh, and you've got Trump. And the whole idea of globalists versus America first, that's really what's going on. I'm going to play something here for a little bit. I've got another call. And now I'm a little suspicious. <laughs> it's a new caller. So I'm going to take this one. I'm going to, well, we have what we call a screening room. And a screening room allows me to take the call off the air and see if they're a decent person or whether they're a jerk. And so um, just listen in to a couple things. I'm going to take my – I'll be off the air for just a second. And if I can time this right, um, I'll be right back. From addiction to achievement, that is the story of Mike Lindell. It started with my pillow and now goes to my coffee. Action Radio is proud to be an affiliate of my pillow. Our discount code is the same for all our product affiliates – W-Y-L, which stands for Write Your Laws. My Pillow Pillows are guaranteed the most comfortable pillow you'll ever own. Action Radio is guaranteed to be the most controversial show you will ever hear. 
Check out their products with our discount code at MyPillow.com slash W-Y-L. That's MyPillow.com slash W-Y-L. Or order now by calling 1-800-544-8939. That's 1-800-544-8939. Sleep well so you can wake up and hear Action Radio live. Hello, this is Greg Penglis for our newest shooting range here in Milton, Florida. Stand your ground. My friend Jason Myers and crew are creating an incredible facility for our city. Stand Your Ground is located at 6632 Elva Street. The phone number is 850-789-1776. Their email is standyourground1776 at gmail.com. Here you'll find either in process or already going an indoor shooting range, axe throwing, archery, a rage room, self-defense classes, concealed carry weapons classes, security license training, paintball, a full-service gun store, and 24-7 online ordering. So come on down or contact them by phone, email, or website and learn how you can best stand your ground. Now let's get back into the news mode and uh, be right back. Talk about President Trump's announcement. The elephant we have here. So I gave my caller a chance to uh, speak, and they didn't. So I'm going to leave them on hold. And uh, you know, I'm, I'm assuming this will be yet another obscene call from a different number, simply because they didn't talk. So when I when I screen the call and I ask you, I give you a couple of chances to uh, say who you are and what you want to talk about. If you don't take it, you know, you're going to be on hold. I'm not going to take the chance of another uh, call coming in because they usually come in in a, in a series. All right, Calvin, let's get back to um, Trump. Uh, so, uh, how do you think this changes? What do you think is going to happen? What, uh, what do you see, uh, going on, um, with, uh, in the next so well, now that he has announced officially, uh, and the rhinos have said, don't announce yet. Just wait till, uh, you know, uh, what's his name? I forgot the football player, uh, Herschel Walker. Wait till Herschel Walker's done or wait for this or, you know, don't be too controversial. Don't be you. Basically the, the rhinos are saying, don't be you. We don't want you to be you because you being you is too powerful for us being us. What do you think? Calvin? I think when it comes to 2024, um, Biden, Biden has dementia, even if he mm-hmm. runs, okay, which he says he will. I think a lot of people are going to see that. He won't be able to stand up in debates. They won't be able to give him pills like they do everybody else. Um, I don't think he's going to be able to. Do I think that. they're giving him pills now. Two years with dementia is yeah. very hard to keep your composure. You know, what, the guy's like 82, something like that? Well, a lot of eighty-year-olds are well, still, you, you know, in great shape. I mean, I'm I'm in my sixties and I still bike ride, hit the gym. I'm thinking of taking up taekwondo, you know. So it, it really is is who you are, how you are, how you take care of yourself over the years, you know. So, but he well, he's had brain injuries. You know, he's had two you know, brain injuries. Very much so that Brandon is losing his. He's losing his. Oh, he is losing it. Yeah. But it's not because he's um, eighty. It's because his, brother, his particular condition. He said his favorite yeah. thing was doing puzzles. You know. He's mm-hmm. going. 
Well, then if Biden doesn't go, who would be the Democratic choice? Okay, mm-hmm. Hillary Clinton, nobody trusts her. Okay, mm-hmm. um, Pete Buttigieg is an okay choice, but with the logistic mm-hmm. problem that happened in 2021, it's instantly going to get them destroyed on any sort of debate. Um, Kamala, she doesn't know anything. The Democrats don't really have a good choice. You know, but Bernie you know what? Will, they, they seem to be an idiocracy. It seems like the smartest Democrats are the ones that you don't see. I think Obama's running the administration. I think Hillary's pulling strings behind the scenes. In fact, I think they divided the world up. Uh, Obama does the foreign policy. That's why we surrendered in Afghanistan. Uh, and Hillary does the domestic policy. That's why parents became uh, uh, terrorist subjects or suspects. You know, so you look at the, the two of them, and you can see they've really divided up the country. You know, the illegal aliens coming here and, okay. and you know, en masse is, is like an Obama thing. Uh, and and uh, all the the reduction of energy, the you know the uh, the the, CO, the whole CO two thing, the indoctrination of the kids in schools, you know the uh, dividing us up by race and class and everything else. Well, that's probably both of them. But I I see really smart people behind the scenes. I see really stupid people in front of the cameras. You know, it's a, it's an idiocracy. You know, you've got Fetterman, you've got Buttigieg, yeah. Yeah. you've got the the Secretary of State, the Secretary of Defense. You know, you've got Mayorkas on the border. They're all idiots. The smart people, Clinton, Obama, Susan Rice, Valerie Jarrett, you know, the strategists. Uh, uh, who was the guy that said never let a crisis go to waste? Rahm Emanuel, you know, the string pullers. The string pullers are all oh, behind yeah. the scenes yeah. in the, in the Democrat Rahm, Party. Yeah. So the person they put forward, they're going to put forward the stupidest, dumbest person that can lie and not know they're lying. The reason Brandon is there is because he can tell a complete lie and he believes it. He believes there is no inflation. He believes that the Inflation Reduction Act, you know, uh, is, is making our economy better. He believes that uh, the reason that we, ha- we don't have oil is not because he shut down the, pipe- shut down the pipes line, pipelines. Blah, blah, blah. Slow down, Greg. Uh, he thinks that Putin did it. He believes that the border is secure and we're only letting good people in. He actually believes that because he's stupid, because he has that mental diminished capacity. So, but, and you look at Fetterman. Why did they want Fetterman? Well, he's got the same diminished capacity. He'll say exactly what he's told to say. And he'll vote for things. He'll lie and believe it. It's, it's a fascinating phenomenon. I don't think we've really talked about this so much. I've never seen a, the Democrats put forward people that are purposely mentally incompetent uh, in, in such positions of power so they're so easily manipulated. Look at Buttigieg. You know, he said, we've got to have electric cars. Well, they're fueled by uh, now, coal, I, natural I gas, electricity. Go ahead. I don't want to hate on Fetterman. Because I don't he hate had Fetterman. Right before that I don't hate right Fetterman. Before that, um, no, 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 I don't. But um, just but he's not qualified to be oh, a yeah, senator. Yeah, yeah. No, I understand. I don't hate him. I don't wish him any um, evil. I wish him a long and happy life, just not in politics. I agree. See, that's the difference. <laughs> um, you know, he he went through a stroke right before that right. Um, debate mm-hmm. against uh, Dr. Oz, and he made him look very bad. His optics were absolutely terrible going into the midterm. Mm-hmm. When when you said the Obama thing on foreign policy and the Hillary Clinton on domestic policy. Mm-hmm. The day before the midterms, the Fetterman uh, campaign hired Hillary, hired Clinton lawyers to um, contest anything that goes through. And if you look at predicted numbers, okay, and I, I look at predicted quite a bit, you know, it's, it's mass cohesion, mass uh, psychosis, essentially. It's maybe not mass psychosis, but, you know, Trends, I guess, is the term. It changed literally overnight by 15 points, and it went towards Fetterman. And now look. 
You have Fetterman. Well, the election was stolen. I mean, we, the Fetterman did not win honestly. Uh, neither did Katie Hobbs. Oof. None of these people. Last well, and day, they said what, we're going to count all the outdated ballots. Well, no, they're counting the illegal Even ballots. 40. They're counting the illegal ballots. See, when they say making <laughs> counting every ballot, what they mean is is counting the illegal ones too, and saying that you have to count the illegal ones too. That's like counting illegal aliens in the well, they're people. Well, of course they're people. That's not the question. But they, they can't vote, so they're not counted in the census because the census is to determine congressional districts. That's what it's for. Right? So, uh, so, so they're making now, voters I think, I, think, I think there needs to be a, a state-by-state congressional meeting. You know how if there was going to be a real change to the constitutional amendment, there has to be a constitutional Congress that has to be deemed by two-thirds of the states. Um, I think two-thirds of the states really do need to have a congressional um, meeting to talk about some of these states that are just letting illegal, illegal immigrants in and giving them voting rights to do so. Now, uh, don't do it by I'm convention. All for immigration. Don't open the constitution up to a constitution. Yeah, don't open the constitution to a constitutional convention because that'll screw everything up. This is why I'm against the convention of states because they think they can control a constitutional convention. But you combine the liberal states and the liberal media, and I guarantee you, we will not have a constitution emerge. It'll be the ten planks of the communist manifesto, and they will say that we all love it and they all agree to it. No. So what you want to do is have the states enforce their borders. See, every state can enforce their borders. Fourteenth Amendment is very clear that citizens of the United States are also citizens of the state in which they reside. We all have dual citizenship. We have state citizenship and we have national, we have federal citizenship. Okay. Not national. I I misspoke. But because of that, that means that illegal aliens who are not citizens of the United States are also not citizens of the state in which they reside. So the states can kick them out. You can kick them out using civil asset forfeiture. You can physically remove them. You can do all kinds of things. You can throw them in jail. Put them on a reservation. It doesn't matter. Illegal aliens have no rights in this country because you can't have rights in a place you're not allowed to be in. And I will continue to make that argument despite the Supreme Court absurdity. Oh, or the left that says, well, they're people too. Of course they're people too. I'm not arguing they're not people. I'm just saying they don't have rights in the United States. <laughs> That's the difference. So let's, let's clarify the argument here. And so this, uh, this, this, uh, you know, the, the, the way that laws get screwed up and the way that these things get uh, totally misplaced is, is horrendous. You know, but you can't, you, you know, the states are independent. Think of states as nation. Think of them as nation states. Okay. So California is a nation state, you know, and I believe that uh, okay. I wrote an article on city states back in 2014. So Florida, where I live, is a nation state. Florida has Singapore, borders. Florida has a national guard. Florida, Florida taxes. What's that? I was just saying for anyone listening, like city states is like Singapore or old yeah. Hong Kong before China went in and, um, employed its national. No, Hong Kong was a city. I don't think it was ever a state. Hong Kong was was it was a British territory, uh, and a then they lost the lease. It became Chinese, but it was never it was never actually that'd be the best. That's a really good idea. Hong Kong. I wish they were an independent state. I wish I'd gone there when the British still controlled it. It would have been fun to see. I want to go there now. I don't know if you want to really go there now. I mean, I don't want to go there now. One of those things. You do do that one thing wrong. You got a guy following you. You do another thing wrong. Let me run a thought by you. I haven't even mentioned this on the air yet. But I was thinking, uh, I'm hoping to connect with the Trump campaign and give them our ideas on citizen legislation, vaccine product liability, uh, the end to big tech censorship, which I did in four lines of law change, um, things like our, our constitutional amendment to take away the power of Congress to borrow money. These are things that nobody's thought of, no one's working on, no one's really doing. Uh, I have a bill to disarm the feds. Uh, their bureaucrat army and give the guns back to citizens through the civilian 
civilian marksmanship program. We've got ideas coming out of this show, and it's not just me. We have ideas coming out of here that no one's even thought of, no one's even close to thinking of. And so these are the kind of things I want to get to. But one of my ideas, the idea I had this morning, actually, I think it was last night, was that Trump should get up and say, you know, rather than China trying to take over Hong Kong, you know, the U.S. policy should be that uh, Taiwan should take over China, that, that, that China should become part of Taiwan, and it should be a free country. And let's, let's reverse it. I mean, just for amusement. <laughs> that, to me, would be a kick. What if Trump comes oh, up and says, yeah, well, uh, instead of uh, China trying to, we're not, well, not only do we, do we not <laughs> I like support. I thinking. I do. I do. Yeah, like but think about it. Elected. Wouldn't that be party, fascinating? You know, yeah, so like, uh, chosen by the CCP. Well, uh, that's what actually it was supposed to be. I mean, we, we supported Chiang Kai-shek. If you remember, the nationalist Chinese, the, the, the true government of China, were, were, were the nationalists, and they were a Western Republican-style government. And the problem was our State Department and all the communists in this country supported Mao. They denied weapon shipments to Chiang Kai-shek, so he was forced to abandon you know, mainland China and retreat to Taiwan, where they set up a very profitable, prosperous, free market you know, uh, republic. It's the Republic of, uh, of China, the ROC. They have their own flag. They have their own borders. They have their own military. They have their own everything. So why shouldn't we try and reinstate the original Chiang Kai-shek policy, the nationalist Chinese policy? Okay, so mainland China, yeah, you need to become part of Taiwan, and you need to be a free country. I think we should advocate that. First of all, it would be hysterical. Secondly, our Democrats would go nuts, you know, and Brandon would say, no, you can't do that. We'll lose money. <laughs> but, but think of the possibilities. You know, it's like when I, when I said that uh, Trump – should, I wish I said this to everybody. You know, I sent a big press release when Hong Kong was having the problems before they really got you know submerged into China. I said Trump needs to do a a, a Reagan, you know, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall, and he should have said, uh, Mr. Xi Jinping, let Hong Kong be Hong Kong. That would have gone down in history as a historic statement. What do you think? I think there's a lot of consolidating of power when it comes to China. You know, exerting um, hmm. regional control. Um, mm-hmm. Vietnam, for example, won't harbor any U- U.S. bases. Um, them creating the new Silk Road and naval shipping routes throughout, you know, Pakistan, Iran, um, Laos, etc., right along the coast. What's the Silk Road? Just for folks that don't know, what's the Silk Road? Okay. So it's actually called the Silk Road 2.0, but I'll mm. do a little history lesson. Oh, the new version? So, yeah, please do. Feel free. Very much so. Throughout, throughout Asia, that we, let's say, let's say 700, 780, um, 1,400 years ago, mm-hmm. major trade was done through what was called the Silk Road, and that goes through the entirety of Europe. And it was okay. originated in China, and it went all the way to about Germany, Netherlands, et cetera. What were they trading? And it was a trading path. What were they trading? They would trade silk, they would trade spices, okay. etc. Yeah. Before realizing naval trade routes with like the East Indian Trading Company and like um, the Dutch Trading Company going to India, whatever. But we, what China's doing now is there's an economic initiative that China's been trying to achieve over the past about 15, 20 years now. And it's called the Silk Road 2.0, mm-hmm. which is to consolidate the inner parts of Asia. Okay, we're talking. Afghanistan, Pakistan, Turkmenistan, um, Uzbekistan, Kazakhstan, all the inner parts of Asia. All the stands. With China saying, hey, <laughs> give us a little, give us a piece of land, and we'll right. come in there, and we'll make it a trading hub. 
Hmm. And so they go, okay, we'll give you a piece of land, you know, make it a trading hub. You know, everybody wins. Not really. There's a lot of trades attached, I'm just saying. But they create a trading hub. So then they have to create what are called logistic routes to it, train, rail, highways, airport, et cetera. An infrastructure. So as they create this infrastructure, mm-hmm. they can essentially go all the way across inner Asia to, let's say, Iran or Greece or Italy is actually, I think, one of the major endpoints. Um, hmm. But the reason why they want to do this Silk Road 2.0 is because American naval dominance. Okay? What, if, what if China starts trading something we don't want them to trade? Let's say they're trading... Oh, highly hazardous chemicals that's always been banned by the U.N. Okay? They can't do it by ocean, but they can do it by land if they create trading hubs throughout the entirety of Europe. And then they could bypass the United States in case, oh, I don't know, they invade Taiwan. So that's the social road point. Yeah, Taiwan, though, Taiwan's different because it's, it's – it's not, a, uh, it's not a mineral necessity. It's not a natural resource thing. It's, it's a, I think it's a point of uh, pride and arrogance for the Chinese. So Taiwan, that, that's not their big priority. I think you're, you're onto something here with the Silk Road, that if they have the infrastructure, they have the ports like they used to. I don't know if they still have the Panama Canal, but so they'll go in and also they'll loan money you know, at ridiculous rates. And then when the, uh, with the, the condition that uh, if the countries can't pay the, the loans back, which they usually can't, uh, then China takes over you know, the land that they, they leased or, yeah. or borrowed or whatever. So that's a part of this too. So it's just a, it's a, like a interconnected Chinese worldwide trading route network uh, infrastructure. It's kind of interesting, but yeah. Let's go ahead. And then I want to talk a little There's bit about Trump. Large... Last little bit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about Trump. Trump. All right. Let's man, he right, was a heck of a leader. I really do admit, yeah. man, he really rallied people, and I yeah. really like that. You know, I was a I was a Trump guy myself, and the way he would make me feel good about my country again. Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah. this isn't me just saying hearsay. Like, I literally went, like, we can do it again. We can do it. You know, we no, easily. cut down on our debt. You know, um, we could revamp our military so then it doesn't need to be, you know, a whole bunch of people. It could be precision, I guess is mm-hmm. the term, you know, more efficient. Well, let's talk about the military for a second. What is the, you know, the, I believe there's a permanent war class. And I think Trump was the first president that didn't you know, go along with everything the permanent or class wanted. He would not have gone to war in Iraq, I believe. He, he would not have gone to war in Afghanistan. I mean, he, was, he had those thrusts upon us. Uh, I don't think he would have gone to war anywhere, but he did do what I think the military should do, which is very specific, very limited actions. You know, he killed uh, al-Baghdadi and he killed Soleimani, right? So that involved a special team, yeah. special that forces. That Soleimani one was gutsy. I tell you what, that Soleimani yeah, he, one was Gutsy. But he killed when I, one person. When I found out he died in the airstrike. I was like, "Oh, he smokes. He really wants to get stuff done." Yeah. Oh, yeah. Now I don't, I'm not familiar with Soleimani that much. I, I learned about him later. But the fact that he did that. So this is what the military is for. You know, what were the repercussions? Did did Iran attack us for that? No. Did they complain about us to the rest of the world? Yeah. So what? Pound sand. I don't care. You know, we're Americans. You know, who are going to do what's in our best interest? And that's the thing, too. See, the globalists, the Brandons and the Democrats and the Obamas, well, Obama has no allegiance to this country anyway. You know, so that's, that's a whole different story. Um, but, uh, but Trump does. And this is why they, they can't stand him. They can't stand him because he didn't, you know, keep the lobbyist special interest money train going. They can't stand him because he didn't do business as usual. They can't stand him because he wouldn't want to maintain war somewhere. So that's why Brandon had to immediately come in and, uh, and start the, the, uh, the Ukraine money laundering, you know, drug lab war. I mean, who's to say they're not drug labs? I mean, they say bio labs. 
uh, well, they're doing meth on the side. I don't know. It's possible. <laughs> you know, so so Trump was, was so was. different. You know, Sorry. What's that? <laughs> Say that again? I said Hunter was. Well, that's an interesting thing. Hunter was, Hunter was. Setting up, uh, was Hunter setting up drug labs instead of bio labs in Ukraine? I don't know. I'm just speculating. But the point is Ooh. that Trump is unabashedly America first. He has a vision. And the, 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 uh, really what we you – know, I, I made a comment. Let me get your reaction to this. I, I sort of made an analogy that Washington, that the federal government in Washington is actually – they consider themselves their own country. I call it the nation of government. And the nation of government is a 10-square-mile area. Uh, it's kind of like, uh, like Monaco you know, or Vatican City. It's its own country. And that there are borders to that country, and you have to leave your guns before you go into that country. That once you're in that country, the nation of government, you know, everybody there works for the government. You know, I don't know any major industries in Washington, D.C. So the industry is government. So the government you know, hires the people, controls it. Like it's like a big company town, except it's a, it's a government town. And so they make their own rules. They believe in their own philosophy. They reinforce their own prejudices. They, they believe their own propaganda. And they think that all of us should, too. And we simply don't. Because back in America, outside the nation of government, there's an independent country. We want to be America first. We want to be proud of our country. We like what Trump says. We like the fact that he brought unparalleled prosperity. And it was to all race, to the sexes, you know, ages and things like that. We, he didn't care. There was no segregated group. We, didn't, we weren't rewarding people based on, on, on skin color or affirmative action. I mean, everybody prospered under Trump. That's what America's about. You know, it's not who you are. It's what you do and what you contribute. You know, and everybody deserves freedom and the, the ability to accumulate property and have fun. So that's what Trump represents. So the nation of government doesn't like that, though, because the nation of government, business as usual, doesn't prosper under an America first. They, they seem to prosper under a globalist first world. That's why I see the big difference. Let's start there. What do you think of that? The nation of government as a philosophy. What do you think? So one thing I liked under Trump was mm -hmm. um, it was almost like we were going back to a style of meritocracy where people, when they achieved something, mm -hmm. were given merit for it. You know, and I think one, a really good example when it came to the Trump administration would be um, uh, Jared Kushner. He almost achieved peace in the Middle East. Not even lying to you. You know? Um, I remember the Arab Emirates. Saudi Arabia. Even though Trump did yep. the sword dance, you know, and lots mm -hmm. of weapons got sold. That was kind of funny. They all agreed to recognize the existence of Israel. Right. For 100 years. Well, okay, maybe not 100 years. But 60, 80 years. You know, mm -hmm. everyone's been trying to do that. He almost achieved it. Well, see, then, part of it was he, he didn't, he didn't uh, consider this, this, this insane two-state solution for the Palestinians, which are not a state, which are not a people. They're basically refugees from Arab countries that don't want them, you know, in this, this manufactured area that the British had in the end of World War I. We talked about that uh, on Armistice Day on Monday. So it's really fascinating. But if yeah. you pursue a two-state solution, if you try to make a country out of Palestine, you alienate Israel uh, and the Arab countries, they want to trade with Israel. So the Abraham Accords were actually an economic pact more so than a peace pact. But the thing was, the Palestinians weren't part of it. And, and this is what pissed off the left. The is fantastic. Yeah. Their defense sector is amazing, yeah. too. I mean, they don't adhere to um, NATO-caliber mm -hmm. weaponry. They, they effectively created their own defense industry that's not yeah. subservient to anyone. But the right? left hates Israel. Yeah. The left hates Israel because the leftists have always hated Israel. You look at Nazi Germany. Left, Nazis are leftists. You know, the Holocaust was based on leftist socialists, national socialists. That's who the Nazis were. Yeah. The Holocaust was based on leftist hatred of the Jews. Well, that hasn't changed. 
you know, and it's just not, it's not as violent. I mean, there isn't a Holocaust now, but I don't, th- I think there are leftists in this country that hate Israel everybody as much as, uh, you know, the Nazis hated uh, Jews back in the forties. You know, so in Nazi that's... Germany and uh-huh. um, in any political revolution that you have in right. any country, whether it's Maoist, whether a Maoist red, you know, Chinese communism, whether it's Stalinist uh-huh. communism, um, right. after leftists. A little different, um, and even in America, you know, anyone right. that probably sat there and said, "I believe in the crown," when we were going through a revolution, probably mm-hmm. was instantly chastised. You know, oh, why, why should I like you? You know, um, there is always a singled out minority group that is picked on and treated poorly. Now it's and Trump supporters, I think, and this, yeah. and this is my honest opinion. Mm-hmm. Hitler picked the Jews because the Jews were historically a scapegoat. But at the very end of World War One, where real war convention came through, and, you know, no using mustard gas, you know, certain little things you're not supposed to do. Right. Hitler was just messed up on drugs. And he literally said, well, if these are the people we're going to kill, we're going to kill them. Mass but it's extermination. The left. It's always the left. You know, it's not the anarchists that are, well, I mean, they're the, the left uses the anarchists, but it's always the totalitarians that are the ones that believe in the, the mass genocides, the mass, you know, excursions, the mass, uh, mass deportations and things like that. You know, it's the left that will single out a people, a religion, a culture, some kind of thing like that. And it takes, this is why I say that the, the only, uh, you know, the, the white supremacists are leftists because it takes a totalitarian government to achieve their aims of white supremacy. You know, conservatives don't care. You know, I mean, they're, they're, you know, they're people that probably have you know, whatever prejudices or beliefs they have. I mean, you know, what individuals believe is, is not the issue. It's what governments can do with those beliefs. That's where it becomes an issue because now it starts affecting everybody. So, and the only way you can affect that kind of, of genocidal change is with a totalitarian government. Totalitarian governments, by definition, are leftists, and people don't realize that. Anyway, I want to get out this. I got to we get about 15, 13, 16 minutes left. I want to go through Trump, some of the things I pulled off the, the Trump speech last night and get your reaction to them. So I'm going to totally change gears here. Well, unless you want to comment on that, let me get one comment from you on what I just said. And then I want to go, I got some points to some bullet points here for you. Well, I think when it comes down to pinpointing a minority group nowadays, you know, mm-hmm. white males for the most part. I think I think it's more of a divide and conquer type situation. Um, it's it's not that white males are a minority in this country. Okay? There's well, we are starting even <laughs> yeah. out. Everyone's yeah. population starting even out. Right. But moreover, it's a divide and conquer situation. Okay. World Economic Forum, Charles Claus, you know all these people that have been finding themselves in political positions and constantly preach this ideology of leftist hate. It, mm-hmm. it, it does exist. You know, there's, there's segments of the right that is hateful too, but the left is very, very. Name, name a hateful section of, cons- what, who do conservatives, when you say the right, do you mean conservatives? Do you mean anarchists way on the right? What are you talking about? When you say the right, who, who, well, let's, 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 let's if, define. If you, if you think about it, if you think about it, um, okay. even the diehard, very religious Christian zealot almost in this country will sit there and chastise a person when they live their own little way, that's no better. Okay. You know, and I'm not going to sit there and pinpoint the exact little things that they do, but Mm -hmm. we all live in this 
world. Yeah, know? when you say Christian zealot, so uh, you should uh, just. I want to jump in here for a second because we have Wendy Arthur. We talk about these issues. I'm a Christian myself. And, I'm not. I'm not. Okay, no, I'm not, I'm not picking on you. But what I'm saying is that there's a lot attributed. You know, you look at uh, from what I'm learning from scripture and what I'm learning from the people that I talk to on the show. It's that uh, you know the door's open if you want to walk through, but no one's being forced to. And the left says says that that, uh, that the Christians believe unless you're one of them. You know, then you don't qualify. You're not a human being, and nothing could be further from the truth. So let me let me get to, like I said. I want to get. I, we still. I'm trying to get to these Trump points here um, that he made in the speech last night. So let's let's hold up this discussion just for a little bit, and let me get to uh, some of the things that he proposed. So we know what the problems are. I mean, everybody's. I'm sick of restating the problems. But he said he wants to uh, he wants to send all the illegals out of the country, especially the ones that came in under Brandon. But he didn't say how. Good goal, impossible goal. Nice idea, propaganda point, or actual policy? What do you think? Sending the illegals back. Mm, that's a toughie, man. Okay. You know, to be honest, that, that, that's really tough because you're going to have to essentially create, and I don't mean to make it sound like it, but it does, mm-hmm. almost like a Gestapo-type group. And I'm not trying to make it sound like it but literally like a very strong segment of ICE going literally no-knock raids, a whole bunch of neighborhoods. Well, you're and assuming... I think the people that are here yeah. actually should get... should be reviewed for criminal past behavior, okay? Should, uh-huh. you know, if they're illegal because they came over illegally, they should just be fingerprinted, in my opinion. Everyone has a right to freedom, but there's a lot of people that came across. Mm. Everybody has a right to freedom, but they don't have a right to be in the United States. There's a difference. There's no right to be in the United States. It's a, it's a privilege. It's an invitation. If, if you're born here, out, you do. Where are they going to go? That's not my problem. If they come here illegally, that's not my problem. No. I would rather work to make other countries free and prosperous and have a free market and have a Republican form of government like we do, or at least we used to, uh, and make them prosperous. But we are not obliged to take in people to our country unless they help our country. Immigration is not for immigrants. It's for Americans. That's always been the policy. That's every, it's every country's policy. So I want to, I want to give you some, some sure. options here. Let me give you some options. Go ahead. What were you going to say? I'm sorry. No, I was agreeing with what you just said. Oh, oh good. Well, in that case, I, I should definitely shut up for that. <laughs> sorry. Um, but there are options. Okay, now I've got a whole plan for how to get uh, illegal aliens to walk out themselves. First thing is civil asset forfeiture. Illegal aliens have no rights in this country because you can't have rights in a country in a place you're not allowed to be in. So you simply have a massive ITIN computer IRS seizure on a, on a, on a huge scale. We're talking millions of people of their assets, you know, if they're not going to leave. And uh, so you take their stuff and use that to, uh, and you say, okay, we're going to deposit, you know, some of it in your bank back home. So you'll have something to start your, your life over again. And then you can apply to come in here legally. So you can, you can deport, you can deport millions. You can have millions of people self-deport, walk out themselves uh, if they, uh, you know, as an alternative to losing everything that they've accumulated illegally in the United States, because everything an illegal alien has in the United States is illegal property and can be seized. So that's some, and you don't have to round up anybody. You do it all by computer. Easy peasy. That's just one yeah, example. I've got, sure a, I've got a bunch that. more. That's What's that? Very feasible. Very feasible. Yeah. Yeah. I so the whole idea of that, I agree. Very feasible. Yeah. Very Wouldn't cost any money. Yeah, you do it by, it wouldn't cost any money. In fact, it would be self-funding. So you take a certain portion of the seized assets from illegal aliens that shouldn't be here, use that to fund the program. You know, so, the, so this is self-support. All the ideas we come up with here are usually self-supporting. So that's the first thing. Uh, second thing you do is, is that birthright citizenship does not exist. 
So there is no policy. There is no, it's just a policy. It's a, you know, but there is no law. It's certainly not in the Constitution. So Trump could correct the citizenship of millions of people who were like tourism born here. Being born on American soil is not constitutionally that you become an American citizen. And so that's going to be a huge fight, but it can't so, be done and it should be done. Right. Go ahead. The idea and law of the anchor baby doesn't actually exist? It's not in law. There is no law. Really? It, it never, it's, just a, it's just a policy. It's a, go to the Center for Immigration Studies. Uh, they have, I have articles on this. You can go to the, the, the original debate of the 14th Amendment that says that people that are not subject to our jurisdiction, in other words, they're not U.S. citizens, they're subject to the jurisdiction of their home country. So people who are subject to another nation cannot give birth to Americans. So all the birthright, all the tourism, all the illegal aliens, all the people that were born here, you know, uh, for the, the sole purpose of trying to secure American citizenship, none of that was legal. And we need to have a massive citizenship correction to get their proper citizenship back. Now, what do we do with those people? That's another story. But we need to correct all the citizenship back as far as we can. And I'm talking like two to three generations. That's how you handle this problem. We have a right to live in a country free of illegal aliens. We do. It's our country. Well, I came here I legally. I love your ideas about immigration, but what are some of the other points that Trump had? Okay. Stop crime in the cities, whether they like it or not. He said that very clearly. He's going to send in either the National Guard or something like that, but he's going to stop crime in the cities. He's tired of the bloodbath there. That was one of his points. Whether they like it okay. or not, so that's National the key phrase that stuck out to me. Well, it could be National Guard. Theory. I don't know. What do you think? He says he's going to stop crime in the cities, whether they like it or not. That was an interesting point. What's your reaction? I'm curious. I mean, you could, you could definitely try. You can definitely mm-hmm. try. I think, I think it's more on an education and cultural thing. You know, I, yeah. I really do. Um, people don't feel any economic avenues to be able to escape the idea of their poverty in these neighborhoods. And the only thing that these neighborhoods have thrived on is guns and drugs. You know, it's, the truth of the matter, Kensington, Philadelphia is probably like one of the craziest. If you ever looked at it, it's like, oh, my gosh, how does, mm-hmm. how does this even exist? I mean, you could definitely put people on the street for the most part. But there's also the concept of, you know, there are people that are homeless. You know, mm-hmm. great drug No, I'm not saying, I'm not where, saying where people on the street. Them? I'm not saying anything. No. But what I'm saying is, no, there are ways to do it. First of all, school choice would be the first thing you do. Low taxes. Uh, and I would uh, I agree, be interested in school uh, choice. Yeah, absolutely. School. I mean, 100% school choice, right? And so, uh, and, you know, get rid of public housing, you know, have low cost, uh, have different alternatives for people. Whatever the, the Democrats run, they seem to screw up. I would also, I, I looked into uh, having the cities declared city states. So they're self-funding. So they can't draw money from the rest of the state. They become independent units. <laughs> they'll fix themselves then or they'll fall apart. Um, let me give you another idea. We've got about 10 minutes. We, we can run a little over time, but I think we'll, we'll get this accomplished. He also said, Space Force, build a missile shield. I think that's very important. Um, okay. The idea of some of these hypersonic missile systems that are getting developed by Russia and China to be able to take, on, take us on into the future mm-hmm. is very appropriate. I mean, in the idea of being a military strategist, you have to anticipate everything your opponent's going to do. Mm-hmm. And with the Zircon missiles and the Hyperglide missiles and these really fast missiles, we don't have a proper defense for them. Mm-hmm. You know, our, the, the latest one was the Terminal High Altitude Aerial Defense System, the SAD Ooh. system, which helped block inter, intercontinental ballistic missiles. Mm-hmm. But space warfare, the next battlefield, if you can take out all your communication and intelligence 
done by satellite in the sky, let's say by a satellite that sits, it's just a piece of junk that goes and shoots some gas out so it goes over here to change its orbit, mm-hmm. runs right into a military satellite that gives you complete coverage over, let's say, Afghanistan. You lost it. How long does it take you to replace it? A month? Yeah. Well, we also have two. We have two, I think, either North Korean or Iranian satellites orbiting our country every day. Most people don't know that. Did you ever hear uh, Dr. Peter Pry when he was on? Talking about electromagnetic pulse weapons. Oh, he's fascinating. Go back to our Monday shows. You have to go back a couple of months. He died in August. And uh, I think of a COVID shot, uh, but that's just me. You know, he he had cancer and it came back very quickly after his, his COVID shot. That's just my suspicion. Uh, anyway, I'm going to put all the shows together. He was on for about four years. We talked about national security all the time. He told me about the missiles, about the satellites flying over us, you know, all these different things, and the third and fourth generation nuclear weapons. Uh, so we're, I'm pretty well versed in that stuff now compared to most people, including most people in government. And so you're absolutely right. We need this. But this is what the Space Force was created for. And, of course, Brandon doesn't have a Space Force. Brandon's not putting any money into the Space Force, or Obama's not. You know, and we need to. I mean, the idea of not having a missile shield, that's what the military should be doing. Those satellites should have laser weapons, particle beam. They should have uh, particle accelerator weapons. They, whatever weapons that you can have that can take a missile out before it gets into the atmosphere, do it. You know, we should be tracking and trying to shoot down all those Korean, North Korean missile tests. We should be shooting them down for fun. You know, once it leaves, uh, you know, Korean airspace, <laughs> okay, fair game. You know, of course, the problem is if you miss, yeah. so it's stupid. Yeah. But uh, we should be shooting those missiles down. Just to show we can do it. Just remember, you don't, you don't want to know what your opponent. You, you don't want to know that you have a knight, and your opponent's sitting there trying to play with pawns. You know, just hmm. okay. You know, we can do our tests, just like China does their own little tests on their own territory, and they uh-huh. don't tell us anything about it. We do our own tests. We won't tell them. Okay. About it. All right. Let me give you another one here. Weaponization of the FBI DOJ. He wants to clean out uh, and clean out DC. So uh, clean out the DOJ and the FBI, or as I call them, the FBI KGB. That was one of his statements. Oh, man. That was Agreed? hard. He came into Why? office in 2016 saying he was going to drain the swamp. Uh-huh. You know, and he had a contested house with Nancy Pelosi as a speaker and everything. He's going to get it done. I mean, it was a well, they were stolen. smear campaign. Yeah. You know, that Peter Drozak guy, you know, that was the FBI, he went in front of the congressional, he went in front of the congressional committee and, like, gave him the smuggest attitude ever. He yeah, fired. he was pretty arrogant. He got hired by MSNBC after that. He got hired yeah, I remember by him. Struck and Page, yeah. Peter Struck. It's like they and, don't uh, have to worry about their job in the federal mm-hmm. government because they know when they get out, they're going to be in the private sector. Now, there's a – well, actually, he said something interesting, too. He said that there's a permanent ban on lobbying for anybody that serves in government. They can't do that. Now, I'm not sure if it, ex- it wouldn't extend to media, but that was one of his points. Let me scroll down a little bit here. A uh, lifetime ban on lobbying by members of Congress. That was interesting. Eh, I mean, yes. I mean, me being an independent, kind of like a moderate-leaning guy, yes, I think uh-huh. that's appropriate. Okay. You know, when well, you I would, I would say lobbying. Years. Yeah. I would say lobbying in, in any industry that you regulate it. Like if you were on the, uh, uh, the Commerce Committee and the, and the Subcommittee on Energy, you couldn't go work for an oil company, <laughs> you know, something like that. Or if you, if you were like yeah, – and I would, no, I would totally extend agree. it to bureaucrats. Totally agree. Yeah, or like bureaucrats, like the, the commissioner of the Food and Drug Administration could not work for either a food or a drug company ever after they after they run that oh, bureaucracy. Geez. Like they do. That guy that was Secretary of State for uh, Trump. Oh, Pompeo? Yes. 
Mike Pompeo? Was, what, CEO of ExxonMobil? Or something like that? Oh, that's you know, it was like It's like the reverse situation. You know, yeah. he was yeah. essentially a lobbyist, you know, big corporate guy, and he went, he became one of the highest positions in the United States. I mean, Secretary of State highly important. Um, yeah. Um, I mean, but... When it, when it comes to the can't be a lobbyist thing, I agree. I really do agree. But then again, when you're when you have constituents that are, let's say, your mansion, the Democratic guy out of West Virginia, and mm-hmm. you've been working with these um, coal mining lobbyist type people your whole life, okay, mm-hmm. and you come out of it and you know how that you know how the lobbying thing, you know what the people want, et cetera. It would only seem logical that when you're out of office as an elected official to work with these people and be able to talk with your cohorts that you previously was in office with. You know, it does but, seem natural, I and mean, I understand that. But it's, it, with it. Yeah, there's too much corruption with it. Well, see, I wouldn't have a blanket ban on Congress. I don't agree with that. I think, but very specific things, and I would say more for the bureaucracies. If you're a regulatory agency. You know, and if you if you are if you're in the EPA, shouldn't then go work for a company that you regulated in the EPA. You know, FDA, you shouldn't go work for a company FTC, that you regulated. FTC so, with five G there. <laughs> oh, see, there you go. That's another thing too. So that's 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 a minor thing. I think we got bigger problems. Like I want to try and get a, a constitutional amendment that bans Congress from borrowing money. That'll have a whole lot more effect than tinkering with the lobbyists. That seems to be a smaller one. Uh, energy dominance. I think we know how we're going to do on that. Uh, ban on Congress and insider trading. Uh, here's one. Demand voter ID, same-day voting, and paper ballots. Now, he can't do that as president, but he can certainly advocate the idea for the states. Voter ID, same-day voting, and paper ballots. What do you think? Agree 150%. Okay. I think yeah. there's lots of – I think the term is holes with no lights in them. And it's getting to be highly abused. And I think it's causing the, the public to lose faith in the idea of our democracy. Yeah, especially since we're public. Coming up on the stage <laughs> saying our democracy is yeah. a threat. It's, there is no accountability for any confusion well, or misappropriation. There, there's none. There's no accountability. accountability. Yeah. Well, we know the elections are stolen, but they're stolen because, you know, one party is stealing and the other party doesn't care. You know, Brandon was installed by Mike Pence, um, you know, when he denied the Trump electors. So here's the here's the untold story. This is what January 6th is all about. And I want to sort of end on this. Uh, We've covered the basic points here. But January 6th was what I call the Capitol Hill Invitational Walk-In. And the reason for January 6th is that the the coup, uh, the FBI, DOJ, deep state, Marxist, uh, Democrat, Republican, Rhino Democrat Party. Uh, they needed a distraction for the real coup that took place underneath Congress. So they brought in the Trump supporters, uh, and then they had to do what they had to stop the challenge to the battleground states that the Trump electors might be replacing the Brandon electors. That's the real coup. And so they, the, uh, the thing that stuck in their craw that still sticks in their craw, because they know at any time, Trump, you know, Arizona, uh, Michigan, Wisconsin, Georgia, uh, Pennsylvania, uh, New Mexico can replace, they have two sets of electors. They have Brandon electors and Trump electors. Those could replace, you know, the Brandon electors can be replaced at any time by a vote of the state legislatures. This is what they're trying to prevent. This is the Achilles heel of the coup. And so the reason for January 6th was they needed a distraction up top 
because the real coup underneath was stopping the challenge to those states. You'll notice that the, uh, the Black Lives Matter, Antifa, FBI uh, informant, you know, cooperatives, you know, with the, with the coup were in there before the Trump supporters actually mm-hmm. got there. They were in. They went in because they had to stop the, the challenge to Arizona, which was the first battleground state, which had Trump electors. So the problem, and this is where the, the thing falls apart. No one talks about the timeline. But the timeline of January 6th was that Trump started his speech an hour late. So because he did that, the Trump supporters didn't get there to the Capitol in time for, for when the Arizona challenge started. So they had to stop it somehow. So I do remember Black, that. That is yeah, so the, 100% true. Right. So, so the Black Lives Matter people and the Antifa people and the government operatives, the FBI informants, the, the Ray uh, Epps and all those folks, you know, there's some other guy I've got an article on, I'll cover it tomorrow. They went in and stopped the, and they were invited in. I mean, Capitol Hill police, come on down. You know, the doors are open, right? You know, come on down. <laughs> so they walked in, stopped Congress from doing the Arizona challenge. And then the rest of the Trump supporters, when they showed up, that's what you see on camera. You don't see the initial people going in, stopping that, and then Congress being ushered downstairs. Well, why did you have to usher Congress downstairs? For their safety? No. So they could have their arms twisted. So they wouldn't vote for the, brand, the Trump electors. So they made sure they'd vote for the Brandon electors. So the real coup is the arm twisting that went on for seven hours. And it's not in the congressional record. You can check. Go back to the the congressional record, January 6th, you know, 2021. And there's a seven-hour gap. Okay. And and you'll see right there. It says Congress was suspended, right? Uh, And then Congress Congress recessed, (laughs) you know, and then it says Congress reconvened. Well, what the hell happened for seven hours? Why why isn't that in the congressional record? Because they were obviously meeting. They were talking. They were all under the Capitol together. You know, both the Senate and the House, what were they doing? For seven hours. Well, I'll tell you what they were doing. That was the coup. <laughs> so the supporters up top was not the coup. That was not the insurrection. The insurrection happened, uh, it was called a bloodless coup, is I guess how they term it. It happened underneath. Because you'll notice that all the folks that said they were going to object to uh, uh, the Brandon electors, they were going to challenge the election, they wanted to uh, hold discussions and debates on the battleground states with two slates of electors, all of a sudden they came upstairs and changed their mind. Seven hours later, oh, nope, we've, uh, for the good of the country, this horrible thing that happened today, oh, no, we, have, we pledge our support and our fealty and our, our kowtowing to Brandon. Brandon is really the true and honest president, and uh, he's our mafia leader, and, uh, you know, and that was it. That was the coup. Now, they had to maintain that. So how do you maintain? All right? So that was the coup. So they take over the White House. All right? and, but still, those Trump electors are still out there. Right? And that's the, so the January 6th constitutional uh, duty to, to challenge the states that had multiple electors never took place. So that's still hanging out there. That can still happen. Right? So now you've got, they've, got to, they've got to make sure those Trump electors never come to the floor. They never come up. How do you do that? Well, you demonize everybody. You say that you're an election denier. You, know, you do everything possible to uh, uh, stop any, any challenge, anything in the media. You censor the media. You have big tech come in and censor everybody. And you have this fake January 6th committee made up of Democrats only and a couple of uh, rhino Democrat Republicans, or as I call them, transgender Democrats. So you have two of those folks to give mm-hmm. some credibility to it. But you don't let any real Republicans on the committee because they're going to challenge what happened underneath. They're going to challenge the coup. They're going to say, what about the Trump electors? And they couldn't have that. The coup to be successful had to only have – that's why they only had Democrats on the panel because they couldn't have the Trump electors be brought up, right? But they're still out there. This is why they're so – this is the one thing they're afraid of. And this is the one thing that Trump, I hope, mentions is, what about the Trump electors? That we've got, you've got Arizona, New Mexico. Um, who else are the other ones? Uh, Michigan. There's like seven of them. Arizona, New Mexico, uh, there's one other one around there, too, I think. Uh, Nevada. Arizona, New Mexico, Nevada, Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and Georgia. Gee, those sound familiar? Isn't that where the vote fraud was this, was this time? What a surprise. Arizona, New Mexico, Nevada, Michigan, Wisconsin, Georgia, and Pennsylvania. 
That's where all the Trump supporters, the Trump uh, firsters, right? The America First candidates, they all lost. Carrie Lake, Mastriano, all those folks lost. Oz, they all lost in the battleground states with Trump electors. That's not a coincidence. Nothing is a coincidence. So you see the pattern? You see how it all fits together? So in order to maintain the coup, they have to continually suppress with daily lies what they did. And they can't let those Trump electors get into the news. In fact, they're actually countering to have them removed as Trump electors. Well, if Brandon's a legitimate president, why would you care about the Trump electors? They care about them because they can replace Brandon. That's the dirty little secret. That's what all this is all about. It all comes down to the Trump electors. Everything the Democrats are doing to maintain their coup comes down to suppressing the Trump electors, denying that the election you know, was stolen, which it was, and uh, maintaining this farce that Brandon's really the president. Does that make sense? That's how I see it. You know, it really does make a lot of sense. It really does. And I'm going to look in a little bit of the timeline of events. You know, I do know that the Trump, Trump gave his speech an hour late, et cetera, and people were storming the Capitol prior to Trump even finishing his speech. They were storming. And I do know about the informants and the sabotage yeah. and coins, all pro techniques that were being used mm-hmm. in the Capitol, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know about the legislature being sent for seven hours with no congressional oversight. You know, mm. Oh, there was oversight. Their <laughs> there was arm twisting. But, there was arm twisting, bribing. But well, the, yeah, the I know, right? Yeah, like, obviously, oversight. Oh, oh, oh. But yeah, yeah. Another great conversation. Uh, I, uh, yeah. Check the congressional record and call me back. You know, it'd be interesting to see what you find. It's like, oh, gee, yeah. And you notice that's not in the news. You notice no reporter ever asks about what Congress was doing for seven hours while the Trump supporters were up top. No reporter asks that question. Why is that? Oh, money. <laughs> the root of the jobs. Yeah, yeah. Don't ask that question. You get fired. Yeah. They don't want to lose their job. Yeah. See, I don't have a boss. I can ask any question I want. I can, I can create any theory I want. I can, I can try and gather evidence to prove, you know, what's he. So we're, we're open and honest here. Let me let you make a final comment, and we'll leave this for today. This has been great. I really appreciate having you on the show. Yeah, I always like being on the show. I do. Never get a good, um, I guess you could say, stage to be able to talk geopolitics, um, all my research topics mm-hmm. for the most part. Um, well, you know. Let's make you a guest sometime. So let's uh, let's talk about. It. Let's get you actually scheduled as a guest. You know, so you can uh, message that. me. Yeah, you know, sure. we can do. You know, you, my email Greg at writeyourlaws.com. That's my public email. So you can email me there. I'm on Facebook. You know, introduce yourself. You know, get a friend request. We'll chat. Uh, that works too. And uh, there are many ways to do it. But let's get some geo. I'd love to have a geopolitical reporter to talk about these issues. You know, in a broader scale. And let me know what you think of, of not seeing <laughs> of seeing that big gap of the congressional record. <laughs> What's that doing? What's that like inch of empty space? <laughs> that was the coup. I have to right. look that up because I do believe yeah. January 6th was a giant sham to discredit uh-huh. anyone that sits there that sort of follows the Trump timeline. You know, yeah, well, it's all on the Matt record. Gates, the Department yeah. of Justice and FBI looking into Matt Gates stuff. Well, no one looks into, oh, I don't know, Mitch McConnell's son that got caught outside North Korea with a bunch of cocaine. Or his oh, wife, oh, who's a, who, who, wife who works for a Chinese shipping company. <laughs> you, know. you know, the conflict of interest with a foreign yeah. intelligence. What's that one, what's that one act? FISA? Um, you got to register if you're working with another country. Foreign Intelligence Service Act? Yeah, the, the FISA Act. Like foreign Intel- Intelligence Surveillance Act. And the FISA Court. Yeah. yeah. Well, you, you know, too. As, yeah. Well, Rand Paul's wife bought a whole bunch of Gilead stock. You know, the people that created Remdesivir, 
that, that uh, fatal drug, that failed Ebola drug that causes people to have kidney failure, which puts them on a ventilator, which kills them. And his wife bought a bunch really? of stock. That's, wow. why, that's why Rand Paul doesn't really investigate the real origins of COVID, which are, I think, the, our own domestic labs. You know, I mean, I mean, COVID, I mean, the, he doesn't investigate that. I think the vaccine well, we was created. we got a lot of labs all over the world. You know, yeah. you know, you talk about Ukraine, but we actually have one in Georgia, not like United States, Georgia, but um, Georgia and the Caspian region. I actually watched a Vice News documentary about that bio lab that was there, too. Well, um, tell me about worldwide bio labs. But, you know, let's, let's do a report on that. If you put together a report on bio labs, that'd be great. We got to go now, though. <laughs> Let me let you give, you give you the final word, and then I'll uh, I'll play a couple things, and we'll be done. Invest in the uranium. Not, I'm not a legal and, financial advisor, but renewable energy is not going to be able to be sustaining long-term assets. And it's, our goal is to do renewable energy, solar, wind, geothermal, tidal, etc. Won't be able to do it. Nuclear energy is going to be the next big thing. Okay, that sounds good. Yeah, I'd love to hear more about it. I want to learn about hydrogen fuel cells and uh, a bunch of things like that. But yeah, the renewable, you know, this this green energy. And I still call oil, coal, and natural gas. I call it organic fuel. It's not a fossil fuel, folks. It doesn't come from a, ter- a T Rex bone. It doesn't work that way. It's organic fuel. All right, let me play one more thing here from my my uh, one of my sponsors. And uh, Calvin, thank you so much. We will do this again soon. For sure. Pleasure, friend. All right. Take care. And here we go. This is Greg Penglis for Strikeforce, your source for pure energy. Strikeforce is a concentrated energy drink that turns a half liter of your favorite beverage into an energy drink. You make your energy drink yourself. Action Radio is an affiliate of Strikeforce, so our listeners get a 20% discount. All you do is add our code, W-Y-L, to the discount code window at checkout. W-Y-L comes from our website, Write Your Laws. So, you can get your energy drink, a 20% discount, and help Action Radio change the relationship of we the people to our government. Not bad. Strikeforce is at strikeforceenergy.com. That's strikeforceenergy.com. Start your engine. This is Greg Penglis. So what is Action Radio? It is a radio show with its own citizen legislature. That's you, the listener. It is a fully interactive system of listeners, expert guests, social media, writing bills, legislator input, bill submission, lobbying, and citizen action. Action Radio is the future of talk radio using all the available technology in one completely integrated new system. You are listening to Action Radio Online with Greg Penglis. The webpage for all Action Radio shows and podcasts is blogtalkradio.com slash citizen action. Please share our show with all your friends and family, both nationally and internationally. The guiding principle of Action Radio is this. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed. You know, I pretty should, I should have said this uh, earlier. Our caller is still uh, on the line listening. But uh, if you ever want to check out a live chat, 
Uh, that's probably the best way to do it. And I'll start putting in notices from now on. That new callers, check out on live chat, first name, where you're calling from, uh, and what you want to talk about. Um, but uh, I discourage people from just sitting on my phone lines and listening because you tie up the lines. It's much better to listen online at blogstockradio.com slash citizenaction. That is where you should hear the show. But if you want to call the show and come on the air, that's when you want to call in. All right. Anyway, on that note, thank you very much, everybody. I'll be back tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. Central Time for our Thursday show. And got some more surprises for you. Chief Dan Skyhorse is coming back. We're going to talk about the Creek Fest, uh, and that's going to be really, really a wonderful time. San Rosa Creek Tribe, back tomorrow. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time.